Potty, we are here. We are live. Sports Attention Podcast. G'day, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Good. Thanks. Hey, look, I'm going to be a little honest. Um, I'm a bit low energy this evening. Yep. A bit low energy. But you know what? I'm just going to harden up. Going to grip my teeth and get through it. Mate, once we start getting into tonight's content, you will be rolling. Oh, the cog. The cog in the wheel will mm. be just, just yep. drifting over. Gliding, not grinding. Gliding, yep, of course. And uh, on that note, should we get into it? Absolutely, mate. Let's get into the podcast. Potty, we're here. Welcome to the Robert Allenby Studios. To the listeners out there, I'm back. I've had a bit, got a bit of fire in the belly now. I've had my little moan there at the intro, and I'm good to go. Sports detention, a lot going on, mate. Huge amount going on, mate, and uh, certain things have caught our eye this week, and they need to be brought to the listeners' attention. I agree, mate. Uh, what do you got? What has caught your eye this week, mate? Well, a couple of weeks removed, mate, but we, we can't forget how... The Matildas, the Tillies, how they lit this country on fire. Oh, I thought you were going to say how they let this country down. (laughs) Oh, well, no, 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 no. You did us proud. Well done. Um, And, uh, you know, they broke all sorts of records as far as television coverage was was seen. It was was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, But it came out through the week that the Queensland government was putting forward the idea of uh, building the Matildas a statue outside of Suncorp Stadium. I heard about this. You heard about this? Yep. So I'm going to ask you your thoughts on it. So for me... Do you, are you, do you you know my thoughts on this? <laughs> I know your thoughts on this. <laughs> okay. Okay, go. I love the Tillies. I loved everything about that um, World Cup, but I'm not a fan of this. No. No, I'm not a fan of this from the point of view of as well as you did, you finished fourth. Mm, yeah. So from my point of view, I don't think I would be putting forward the idea of having a statue of the Matildas built outside of Suncorp Stadium. I read somewhere that to get a, a statue of an individual, and they've got a few up there, yep. um, cost $150,000. Yep. So if we're talking about a squad, then... We're running into the millions, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, that's obviously a part of the consideration. Yep. Um, and I'm not saying it's the most significant part, but uh, it is part of the consideration. No. Well, look, I, I would um, – let's just rattle off some of the statues that actually currently exist at Suncorp. Yep. Artie Beetson. No-brainer. Yep. Absolute no-brainer. Darren Lockyer. Who? Oh. Well. I mean, that is the best joke you've told. <laughs> Mal Meninga, Alan Langer, Wally Lewis. There's something, you know, that links all of them together. Great rugby league men, mm. legends of the game, legendary Queenslanders. Mm. What does that even mean? Yeah. Well. Along with John Eels. The Wallaby great. The Wallaby great. John Eels. Okay, never. I don't think I've ever heard a bad word said about John Eels, and he's that's not even that's off the pitch. And that on uh, the pitch, he was great. We all remember uh, the um, goalie kick to, to win the Bledisloe. The last time we won the, the last time we won the Bledisloe. Yeah. <laughs> um, now there's a glaring miss in that list, isn't there? Mm. 
there's no female athletes. Yeah, 100%. Okay, we understand that. Yeah. However, let's not kid ourselves. Okay, statues, okay, they don't get given out for fourth place. No. Just like ribbons shouldn't be given out for fourth place. Where's the fourth place medal? No such thing. No. So I think it's, it's pretty, pretty straightforward on where we stand on that. Yep. However, we do identify the, the, you know, the little lacklustre number of women in that list and it would be great for you know, Queensland to get behind female athletes yep. where required or where you know, possible and give them an opportunity to be you know, encapsulated in a statue outside of Suncorp. 100%. Give us some names. Give Couldn't us a list. More. Someone if, like Ali Brigginshaw up at the Broncos who's oh well. won three premierships in a row and uh, played for the Maroons. I mean, maybe down the track her career could be seen. Yep. Yep. Alyssa Healy. She's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Very, very good. Queenslander too. Yep. Oh, well. Yeah. yeah. We're not just giving away participation awards here, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. I mean, if we actually thought about things and, um, you know, put the time and effort into acknowledging, you know, really good athletes, you might actually come up with a decent list. Mm, um, no doubt we would. But, Potty, that is not what governments do. No, no. They're very reactionary. Yeah, very reactionary. And, um, yeah, it just drew my attention. And, uh, yeah, I uh, I thought it had to be brought up on what caught my eye. But the question now is, Grego, what caught your eye? Well, I mean... We've seen some amazing things in this world. We've seen and heard of amazing things in this world. The resurrection Mm. of the one and only Lord Jesus Christ. The undertaker at WrestleMania, Mm. the resurrection, where he would sit up out of the casket and then proceed to chokeslam any person who got in his way. We've had a new resurrection this week, Potty. Heath Streak. Heath Streak. Heath Streak. Zimbabwean fast bowling royalty. Now, this is, you know, I mean, this is when Zimbabwe actually played cricket. So they used to come out and they used to play some good... Now, this is during Australia's golden era. Some Could really we suggest... good test matches. Pre-Robert Mugabe... Yes. Zimbabwe. Yes. Yeah. So obviously there's a lot of turmoil the around. Brothers. Yeah. So and there's there's a there's a rich and interesting history behind Zimbabwe, Rhodesia, and Zimbabwean cricket. Now, prior to that, they were pretty good. Mm. The Flower Brothers you mentioned. Yep. Heath Streak. Heath Streak was a gun. Um but anyway, Heath Streak is obviously run into a bit of trouble later on in his career. He was found guilty of match fixing. And given a life ban from cricket. You know, he was still a great player. And um, apparently he's been struggling with an I- with illness recently. Um, I cannot confirm or no, nor deny that that is the case. There are suggestions that he is being, he's having cancer treatment. Mm. Anyway, a tweet came out from one of his former colleagues and teammates who had, um, you know, heard that he had unfortunately passed. And which was obviously sad, and the, the um, you know the the tributes came flooding in for yeah, Heath, the cricketing world, and all over. Yeah, absolutely. Until Heath decided to text his mate back and say, "Hey, bro, not dead." No. <laughs> <laughs> the VAR check was done, and he was deemed not dead. <laughs> so, 
It's funny though, and I'm thinking when I looked in it, I was like, it's a weird world that we live in these days because this can slide. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Like these rumors and these things that pop up on the on the uh, the X sphere or the tw- the old Twitter sphere. Yeah, you know, they can just run. The Chinese whispers. You know, out of control. They can, and we laugh about it, but there would have been some people who were finding out um, this news mm. and experiencing grief. Or yeah, Heath Streak. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I could imagine if I was Heath Streak and I was sitting on my couch at home and realising I was dead, <laughs> like, I would, you know, I'd, I'd be, I'd be double-checking. You'd be checking. Yeah. Yep, uh, that was a really weird one. Um, yeah, Great that Heath Streak is still with us, but yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, obviously numerous media reports uh, reporting about his, his battle with illness and if that is the case, you know, Heath, you know, we wish you the best, mate, obviously. Not the finest end of your cricket career, but um, yeah, yeah, we wish you well, mate. You, uh, you did bring joy to many Zimbabwean cricket fans' lives during Indeed. the 90s and early 2000s. So well done, mate. Indeed. Grego. Now, not the weirdest thing. No. Not the weirdest thing that happened, which is, I mean, it's hard to say that. Um, South Sydney, mate, the wheels appear to be somewhat falling off the wagon at South Sydney. Yeah. You know, in our footy talk, and we'll get into it a bit later, we've obviously had the coaching issue there where um, assistant coaches Sam Burgess and John Morris have, you know, essentially been, you know, they're going to move on to greener pastures. Sam had already taken up his position at Warrington and John Morris has now found uh, another place to... Uh, He's telling tales, t- tales at Tiger Town. He'll be with Benji, yep. yes. Now, is this activation of pylon mode from the media what has caused or been the, the reason behind this next report, mate? Because apparently... There has been a dog debacle at South Sydney. Yeah. Who let the dogs out? (laughs) Who let the dogs out, he says. Now, apparently not the first time. However, the South Sydney Football Club have engaged in in a a team-building exercise noted as Bring a Dog to Work Day. And uh, unfortunately, during that Bring a Dog to Work Day, uh, Elite Forward, Jai Arrow has bought his dog, and his dog has decided to attack head coach Jason Demetrio's cavoodle, I believe it is. Cavoodle. Actually, no, labradoodle. labradoodle. That was that was clarified from, I believe, Danny Widler. Okay. It was speculated that it was a cavoodle. It was later um, confirmed that it was actually a labradoodle. Yeah, right. Well, this isn't, um, yeah, it's not the first time I've heard that this report, is there? With uh, Jai Arrow and... Yeah, yeah, so that is true. So Jai Arrow did have an unfortunate circumstance uh, previously where his his uh, dog was unfortunately euthanised by a Central mm. Coast Council uh, due to attacking another dog as well. So, I mean, it is as awkward as it gets. Yeah. You know, let's have a bring a dog to work day and then the coach's dog... Gets attacked by a flame. It's, it's oh, <laughs> you like, couldn't make this shit up. However, hopefully the the dogs are okay. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And um, but yeah, you can't script this stuff. You can't, <laughs> and and it's at the worst possible time. And that's where I come up with the term activate pylon because yeah. it is perfect for the media to just go. Oh no, they can't even keep the dogs in order there. <laughs> you know, South have lost the plot, and they've they've. 
the, you know, there's obviously a fair bit of tension there and they've decided to ease it a little bit. Bring your dog yeah, to work. It's going to be a little bit of fun. <laughs> and then, Until oh. Gyro's dog is running around with a labradoodle in its mouth. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> now. Uh, when it rains, let, it pours. Yeah, I'll let you sort of answer and speak to this one, Potty, because I'm I'm not a dog man, mm. but as a as a, a pet owner, yep. you know, you're – your connection to the to the canine, how would you feel if you're in Jairo's position? Because obviously the dog is quite aggressive or his, his dogs have gem, uh, have shown aggressive traits. How would you manage that as, a, as an owner, mate? Uh, this particular situation or the aggression in general? Just, yeah, being a dog owner and having, or having to have an awkward conversation. Uh, yeah, well, I guess you try and avoid the awkward conversation, wouldn't you? But it's pretty it's, hard when he's selecting you in the seventeen on the <laughs> weekend, isn't it? Look, I, I, I imagine, um, I imagine, um, it, you know, I don't know. I'm hopeful the dogs are all right, but we're assuming uh, the dogs are. All right. We're assuming the dogs are all right, but um, you know, I guess you just have to um offer your apologies and um maybe perhaps not bring your dog to the next um bring your dog to work day. Yes, yes. But, Lucky, um, I mean, if you brought your dog to work today, what would happen to the NBN, mate? Oh, that's right. Well, <laughs> the listeners out there, um, I lost internet a couple of uh, about a month ago because my dog ripped the NBN box right off the wall of my house. Yes. Yeah. And um, if my kids are listening to this podcast for whatever reason it is, you know the deal. Um, if you want a dog, Dad's going to crap in the backyard for two weeks and you can scoop it up. If you're successful with that, we'll think about it. <laughs> oh, All I love right. that rule. I love that rule. All right, mate. Let's get into the footy, eh? Straight into it. The rugby league final was a big Wembley occasion. The final was a big Wembley occasion. Oh, get that in here. All right, mate, it's footy time. I said I was flat. You said you were flat? I perked up. Yeah, you perked up. I think I'm going to get flat again, Potty. Yeah, mate. uh, Give it to me. So we'll run through round 26, and obviously it started with a big upset on Thursday night last week. Um, mm. 32 to 18, uh, Parramatta uh, putting the cleaners really through Penrith until a couple yeah. of late tries. It was, a, it was a comprehensive win and, um, you know, uh, we're, we're going to jump into that a little bit later in a little bit more detail. But um, what I will say at the moment is uh, the frustration that you probably felt was yeah, ten probably. times that for, uh, for Where's me. Where's it been? Where has it been? Uh, but I had a good debrief the other day with a colleague who's oh, also yes, a, a yes, yes. fan, and the, the tears were the tears were rolling on what could have been. But so Parramatta finished their season with a 32-18 victory over uh, Penrith. Uh, the Warriors, 18, uh, uh, 18-6 over the Dragons. Not comprehensive victory, but a victory nonetheless. Uh, the Cowboys flogged the Dolphins 34-10, keeping their finals hopes alive. Mm. The Storm, 37-16 over the Titans. Uh, another it was a good, good win. Yeah, another good, good win there. Uh, the Chookies uh, put the cleaners through um, the Tigers to leave their destiny as far as finals football in their own hands. Yeah, that was it. Was a lot. Cl- I think the Tigers that if you look at that score, thirty-two eight, you'd go right. Yeah, the Chooks were pretty comfortable there. But geez, the Tigers had moments, especially in that first forty. 
And that's probably been the story of their season since. I mean, they were dreadful for the first six or seven weeks. Yeah. Then they beat that. Uh, Pen- they beat Penrith that night up in a really wet night up in. I want to say Bathurst, but I could be yeah, wrong. Yeah, it was Bathurst. It yep. was Bathurst. Yep. And uh, since then, they. I don't think they played terribly in too many games, besides a trouncing to the Cowboys. But they um they just can't string it together for anything close to eighty minutes, can so, they? So I was hoping that you know obviously it was a big game from Jerome Buller in mm. that that game against Penrith at Bathurst, and you were looking really if you're a Tigers fan you were looking for that to be something that you can go rightio maybe mm. we can you know build off the back of this we can build up a bit of a combination. Um, Dewey obviously got injured. Um, they've had you know a bit of mix and match, even to the point now where Appy Corrissau is playing at seven, essentially. Like. Yeah, Brooksy's been hurt a lot in the back end of the year. You know, obviously that barbecue hasn't done the trick, but no. it's um. Oh look, the Tigers two wooden spoons in a row. Dark days for Tigers fans. I'm sorry, I don't see it getting lots better in the near future, based on what's going on off the field, based on who's at the club and mm. rumours swirling around about current players who are your best players who, who want out. I think um, I think you could say anything can happen in rugby league and there mm. could be a turnaround around the corner. But if you were to predict it, you'd be deemed crazy if you're predicting it on what we're seeing in front of us now. 100%. Yeah. Um, speaking about the barbie. Yep. Just a thought. Is a barbecue for Brooks's 20, 250th, sorry... Is that representative of that being an underwhelming gift to the underwhelming nature he's performed his contract? Maybe they just did a needs analysis yeah. and looked at it and went, <laughs> oh, we'll give you a barbie. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Do they throw in a stack? I'd say not. Oh, maybe not. I wonder what Wonga Blake's going to get at Parramatta. <laughs> oh, oh Wongy. Um and then, sorry, where am I at now? The, the Broncos got over a tight affair with the Raiders, 29 uh, to 18. Mm. Now, look, we touched on this today, so I thought bring it up on the sports detention. I, disclaimer, didn't see a lot of that game. Uh, I, I was out uh, catching up with some uh, friends at that time. And so I didn't see, actually, I didn't see any of it. But what I did see in the highlights was a monster of a shot right at the end of the game by... Yeah, that, was, uh, yeah, that was the best bit. Joey Tapanay on uh, Reese Walsh. Now, for any of our listeners out there who are fans, you'll know exactly the hit. And it's been a little bit of a polarising hit. There's been some opinions. And I'm going to put it out there, and I know you agree, Gregor. Fair game. Yeah, absolutely. Cracking hit. Play wasn't dead. He was upright. And to Reese Walsh's credit, I think he gave him the nod and said, yep, fair enough, got me good. See, straight away, people would go, oh, you know, oh, he looked like he was injured, this, that, and the other. Um, you know, short memory, guys. Uh Joey Manu. Joey Manu, yep. The old hamstring. Yeah. Yeah. Through the jersey. Yeah. Big fend. Scored the try. If the player's there, they've got the ball, they're moving, they're on their feet, whack them. Yep. And I mean, I think it's pretty yeah. obvious, though, that if he if he did make a mistake and um, not smash him and because he was hurt and Reese Walsh went and scored, Ricky would have forgave him immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, then uh, Manly have beaten the Doggies 42-24. to 24. High scoring affair there. And then the Sharks were downed by the Knights 32-6. to 6, And the Knights are in form at the mm. moment at the right end of the year. The Rabbits, 
got the buy done as you might predict. Match okay. of the round, mate. So, my yeah. prediction yeah. was the uh, Knights v the Sharks. Uh, you know I couldn't go past the Parramatta versus Penrith game. Oh, I couldn't I, imagine you would. Yep, I just couldn't go past that. So, Parramatta's best performance by a long way this year. And, um, yeah, I, uh, Clint Gutherson, a heroic effort. Without Mitchell Moses, Dylan Brown was very good as well. Mike Acevo getting over for four tries. I, I, I was um, ecstatic with that and uh, really uh, disappointed that that was the end of our year based on uh, that performance and is it the end of your year though? It is the end of our year. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no for and against. There is a par- apparently there. there is no for and against options that because um, I saw the bookies put the line through you. Yeah. yeah so, so I, I think okay. I think when the Roosters beat the Tigers, that was it. Yeah. Okay. So um, yeah, and it's yeah frustrating one for Parramatta supporters. What could have been, but. Um, yeah, not to be. Yeah, I suppose I, as a Penrith fan, like uh, it's it's disappointing this close to the finals to see such a poor performance. Um, you know, Nathan Cleary actually, you know, labelled it in his post-match interview as one of the worst performances, if not the worst performance he's ever been involved with in a Penrith jersey. Which is, does it take away from the fact that Parramatta came out and played? Absolutely not, because you can only play as good as the other team will let you. No, and he acknowledged that as well in his um, mm. Uh, Cleary, but uh, look, I'll be interested to see what a Penrith fan thinks of this. Uh, that performance was not to the Penrith standard that they've said, and it's the first time in a very long time you could say that. But I feel like they have been, I don't know if you could say you felt like that performance was coming, but Manly got the jump on you a few weeks ago. The Titans got the jump on you maybe last week. And then Parramatta this week. It, it's sort of been a month of not typical Penrith. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Um, look, I think having the Broncos there performing well at the moment probably, um, yeah, probably makes it look a lot worse. If you know what I mean, so because we're neck and neck, obviously I want you know as a fan I want to see my team, you know, barrel into the minor premiership. You know, I, I mentioned it last week on the episode that you know I want them to win the prize money. You know, yeah, continue that you know that hunger of winning. But we have a performance like this. I could sit back and go, you know what? Yeah, okay. Let's get this performance out of the way before we hit the finals. Let's get a let's bounce back this week against the Cowboys. And let's go again. But what does sort of concern me a bit is then you've got the injury to Luai, mm. which compiles things. So you go, right here, not only have we had a poor performance, we've lost a, you know, a really important playmaker, you know, to, a, to an injury. Um, how's that going to impact the rest of his season? You know, and how's that going to, you know, it just impact the preparedness of the of the team to to really focus in and, and barrel in on that assault on the finals, mm. you know? Yeah, well, um, it, it will be interesting from that point of view. Um, it's, they were, um, Penrith were missing a lot of players, there's no doubt about that. Um, but... You know the the opposition they were playing were missing several as well as well as their best player. So, it well, was Dylan, Dylan Edwards not being there, um, obviously Elliot Jenkins coming in on the wing. You know that back three mm. balance yep. that we become so reliant on. Yeah. Um, you know that that has been out of whack for a couple of weeks now. I'll 
remind listeners and those who, you know, probably listening to this who, unless they support Penrith, probably don't like Penrith at the moment, but um, when South Sydney beat Penrith in the qualifying final in the year we beat South Sydney to win the Premiership. Yeah, Dylan Edwards was out, wasn't he? Dylan Edwards was out and South Sydney really dominated our back three. Yeah. And the biggest change in the grand final was the fact that Penrith dominated South's back three. Blake Taff was under immense pressure in that final match. So I think for a lot of people watching both of those matches, you could go, it could be the simply the difference in getting on the jump in Penrith is competing with their back three. Mm. You know, stopping their back three from, you know, absolutely blowing the stats page to bits with their meterage and getting the forwards the well-needed rest they need to punch holes into, into the opposition pack. Yep. You know, and if you do get on top of them in that way, you know, you, you're every chance of competing in the match, if not winning the match. Yeah, and I think if you um, if you look at Parramatta and over the last few years, as I said, and I got dived into it last week, Parramatta, hell of a disappointing season and f- incredibly frustrated by the way they played against Penrith. But... They pretty much play like that against Penrith every single time they play. Yeah, they, they've got it. They've they've played really well. Like their game against Penrith early in the season, it was a golden point yeah. match. But and they were good. If you're an opposition team, you probably need to look at it and go, well, what does Parramatta do that seem to that seems to cause Penrith more trouble than other teams are able to? And mm. I. It's a little bit of a complicated one because I don't think that you can – you have to be you. Like, I actually thought Manly went in against Penrith two weeks well, ago. Well, they took a, it to them. With a really good game plan because they didn't try and go straight through your middle straight away. They chanced their hand. They spread. They used their pace on the edge because mm. that was their strength. And I don't think I could subscribe to the idea that Penrith felt un, uh, uncomfortable, but it certainly brought more evenness to the game. Mm. So I think, depending on who comes up against Penrith – they've just got to play to their strength, but certainly putting pressure on that back three is a lot easier said than done, especially Mm. with Dylan Edwards there. So I'll jump to one of the questions we've got in here for our discussion, mate. Yep. Penrith's worst performance or were Parramatta just showing us what they're capable of? What would your answer be out of those two? Uh, It's a little from column A, a little from column B. You can't sit on the fence, buddy. Come on. Ah, well... (laughs) It, it's the latter for me. It's Parramatta. They, they came out there and their intent was yep. just just incredible. They Penrith, the first two sets of six were all over them and were bullying them and bashing them. Yep. But Parramatta just weren't going to kick up their toes the other night. And unfortunately, and I love BA because he brought Parramatta from the absolute dark days to, to where we've been a reasonable team, but he's really struggled to get that consistency week to week to week every single game. And it's cost us this year. It's cost us a finals appearance because we've been very bad in patches. So uh, that consistency just with, even though we've had a pretty good roster over the last few years has just seemed to elude us. And I don't know where the performance against the Roosters last week or the Broncos um, three weeks ago, where that comes from when, the performance last week without Mitchell Moses is in the tool shed. Mm. Um, and Penrith, worst performance, well, yeah, without sitting on the fence, um, it probably was the worst performance they've had in a couple of years. Mm. All right, mate. Well, match of the round, all going for the Raiders and the Broncos. Yep. 
Um, bit selfish here. I thought it would be a good match prior to this, but then I went all in once Penrith had lost against Parra because I thought, <laughs> oh, the Raiders are going to do the Broncos here and we're, we're back on, you know. Um, you know, crisis avoided. Yep. But, um, you know, I've, I've got to say that I've, I've been so impressed with the Broncos. You know, they keep chipping away. Um, just their ability to and the, and the depth of the squad and the fact that, you know, yes, Adam Reynolds was out injured. There are, you know, they're battling like every other side is with managing their roster and, and keeping players on the field. I, I agree to that. However, you know, to bring someone like Corey Oates, as frustrating as he is as a Queenslander, to bring him in to play a game like that and be so professional and go forward so well, mm. I mean, geez, it's handy for them. Yeah. Um, Selwyn Cobbo was looking untouchable out on the wing, just in the right place at the right time for those backline shifts. He finished off a couple. And, I mean, Ezra Mann, he, he controlled the ship. He, you know, he was, he was the conductor on the weekend. Yep. Certainly was, and um, he's, you know, and they did the right thing. I haven't seen the team's name today. I don't know that Adam Reynolds got named today. Uh, you wouldn't risk him, would you? Well, that yeah, so they're saying that uh, Reese Walsh, Ezra Mam, Selwyn Cobbo won't line up yep. against the Storm, and um, Munster and Welch will sit out for the Storm. That's yep. according to NRL.com. So. Yeah, right. Mm. So it'll be an interesting bit. I mean... It's a, it surprises me only in the matter that for Kevy, and you've got this young team. Geez, it would be nice to get a, get a trophy sitting in front of them on a on a final round as they lead into those final into that final series. Get the taste of glory. If you can guarantee that with a win against the Storm, you'd be putting your best team out in the paddock. Yeah, it's a fair point. Couple of things uh, I think I uh, suppose that would go against that is. Uh, they can't win the competition, in my opinion, without Reese Walsh, without um, Adam Reynolds, and they would struggle if they lost um, uh, Pat Cardigan, Carrigan, or um, or um, Payne Haas. Mm. So he's looking at big picture, and I applaud him for that. And I think it was made yeah. easier for him with Reese pulling up a little lame uh, the other day and looking like he was struggling from time to time. He actually accelerated when he pulled up lame. Did he? Well, yeah, it was just the problem was he had a camera forward whacking him. That's what <laughs> that's what increased the inside acceleration. Um, but as far as they've got an atrocious record against Melbourne now, not many teams have great records against Melbourne over the past twenty years, except obviously for yeah. Penrith in the last few years. But they have an atrocious record against Melbourne, so he might be. You know, you, you're not a first-grade coach if you're not thinking about winning every match, but his perspective might be at the moment, well, we're not going to be at full strength because I can't play this player and this player. Mm. So I'm just going to send the best team I can out there. Might not um, win, but at least at least there, we can still more move forward knowing we've got more stock to come into the team. Yeah. See, I, I can see what, you know... The point is there, and your support of what Kevy's doing there is. But if I was in that position, you know, and there's a reason probably why I'm not in that position, I would be saying oh, I've got a young side, you know, a side who got the wooden spoon, mm. essentially the the crux of it, the core of that. Yeah. Young forwards, Reese Walsh, 
if I'm resting someone, I'm resting Aaron Reynolds, and I'm saying, let's get these young guys out there. Let's get a trophy in front of our fans on a Thursday night. Let's show it off, suck it to the crowd after it, and let's get into the finals and let's rock and roll. It reminds me a lot of that Penrith in 2003 side. Yeah, it's it's now you bring it up, it is similar to that team, that young, and we're talking about very young Luke Lewis, Luke Rooney, uh, uh, Joel Clinton, yeah, Ben uh, Ross, Ben Ross, yeah, and just had the a cu- tour, just had Malibu. a couple of couple of a flooding of of some really good Wiley veterans, Luke Prittis, Craig Gower, Preston Campbell, Goods, Goods, yep. So who could forget the grind? Could, and um and you know everyone's favourite front row, Marty Lang. Oh yes, go big Marty. Everyone's favourite PhD these days. Indeed, yeah, indeed. What a weapon. Um. Yeah, yeah, well, and well, that, that's just my thought on that, yeah. you know, and that, and that's purely, um, you know, another thing I'd be thinking of if I was the coach, and I don't want to bore the listeners with this, is also to say, for example, you're unsuccessful in the finals. Yep, you've got you got a bit of silverware. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's a silver lining that you go radio. We set the standard. Next year we come back. Yeah. And I um I get to sleep every night thinking about the two thousand and one um, minor premiership that's sitting in Prowrite Trophy. Well, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, look, enough of my hard life story. <laughs> now, uh, just on uh, Broncos, just leading into our next uh, topic that we want to discuss, mate. Uh, well done to Kevy because. You know, this time 12 months ago, they'd faded out really badly. They got pumped, I think, by about mm. um, 60 points and 50 points in their last two or three games by Parramatta and Melbourne. And um, we're just, and, you know, there was that issue in the offseason where Selwyn came out and said he couldn't coach. And I think, um, what's his name playing 5 8 down at Newcastle now? Had a shot at him on the way out the door. And um, um, What's his name? Yeah. Yep. Um, it's evading. Gamble. Him. Gamble. Gamble had a shot at him. And, and he was down and out. Now he's on the verge of um, winning the minor premiership. Definitely um, uh, finished top two. And, uh, and I thought to myself, you know what? Uh, in, in footy for a coach, a year's a long time. Well, seven weeks is a long time, Adam O'Brien. Yeah, well. Seven weeks, yes. mate. Yes. Look, we've got that. Let's move into the discussion points, mate. Yep. You know, weren't they going to sack Adam O'Brien, mate? I think they were. <laughs> I, it looked like they were going to. There was talk of it, that he was on his way out the door. That Didn't they interview Holbrook? Well, apparently, apparently so, Apparently yeah. so. That was a, a rumour. A few cafe wasn't? meetings. A few yeah. cafe meetings. Oh, please. They weren't asking how he likes his latte. No. No. Oh, I mean, do you reckon he'd be he'd be a turmeric latte sort of guy? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, mate. I um, it's been a big turnaround for the Knights, and they're they, flying into the finals. They were. They had a a really good um win against Melbourne about six weeks ago, and um, I thought it was their grand final, and they've just come out and they've won the next six or seven mm. straight. So yeah, uh, they've been killing On it. A roll. They they haven't been tested against any of the real heavyweights in recent times. So uh, that'll obviously come in the finals. But I'll tell you what, they've, uh, they're have they playing an interesting brand of football. And if Ponga can get on back on the field, and that's a big if because he's done uh, an ACL uh, – sorry, an ACL – sorry, <laughs> get back on your couch, Newcastle fans – an AC joint injury. Yeah. Um, an air conditioner joint. An air conditioner joint. He's done yeah. his air conditioner joint injury, uh, which is uh, quite painful. Um, hmm. But it's uh, – it, usually is playable with, but whether he can be as effective as he's been over the last six or seven weeks will be a big thing. But I can see them going to a prelim. 
Mm. I, I can. If um if the cards fall their way, uh, I can see them getting all, all the way to a prelim. So, well, um, you know, Newcastle checking in for a prelim. Speaking about checking in, mate, did you see Sony Luke checking in on Jermaine Hopgood? The oil check. <laughs> the oil check. Did you see that? Like, now, how many times do we have to learn this lesson, boys? How, how was it not had more? I don't know if my, my head's been in the sand. Has how was it not had more made of it? I mean, it was obviously, a, you know, didn't a bit Hopper of a get laugh. didn't Hopper get sixteen weeks? Hopper, it? yeah, Hopper had form though. <laughs> he did. He was a regular. I mean, he was, yeah, and he was taking it to the new uh, to another level each time. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was. He he was getting game. He, you yeah, know, he getting was, away with yeah. it. Yeah, I certainly saw it. I mean. <laughs> Sonny Luke and uh, Hopgood, probably good mates from their Penrith days, yeah. but I don't know if they're that good of mates. So, yeah. I well, they, they know each other intimately now. They, they do, they Let's do. Let's be very clear. So, um, yeah, he's um, he's been not cited, but he's been sent a letter of... Um, <laughs> what, what was it called? A mate? letter of disappointment <laughs> from the NRL. Oh, I'll tell you what, it's not that far off it. It, it, was, yeah. it was called like a letter of... Not disturbing behaviour, <laughs> but it was. Um, it was. Uh, I'll see if I can find it here. Uh, uh, so no, can't seem to nice. find it. But anyway, it was in it. It was an absolute, um, mm. absolute shocker. I'm not sure what you were thinking there, um, Sonny. But um, anyway. Yeah, right. Oh, a concerning act notice. Sorry, a concerning, concerning act notice. Imagine, if, imagine if they just sent like. Imagine if you were just like. You know, in your life, you just got these letters popped up in your email or something, like oh, concerning act. You know, you just had Big Brother watching you <laughs> far out. It's like if you had somebody walking around, following you around with a night out with the boys. <laughs> just well, I'm, uh, let's let's not go there, no, mate. Let's not go there. I mean, uh, yes. We're and not going that's, there. That's not called a concerning act. That's called a documentary. <laughs> All right, mate. mate so that, that certainly did... Um, uh, catch everyone's eye, I think. Uh, so, so let's jump straight to Sticky, mate. Oh, the Sticky, stick the final final piece. And we love of the, the stick. of the rugby league puzzle for this week, Sticky, mate. What has happened? That I want your interpretation as a big fan of Sticky. Mm. Parramatta, great. Yeah. <laughs> what what has gone on? Ah, uh, well, um, so he's cracked it. And he's looked over at the camera, hasn't he? And he's um, basically told him where to go. And then, then he's denied it later on. So it's very clear that he says, fuck off. Yeah. And then apparently he tried to dodge his media duties and he oh, was getting God. called in um, yeah. by the uh, media manager at Canberra saying, oh, no, you have to come. Yeah. And then he's shown up and said a whole bunch of something that, He's actually said a whole bunch of nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so he's, he's saying he's saying cryptic things like, um, "I um I can't say what I think, but we all know what's going on here." Oh, he's going for the old Marshall and Lynch. Yeah, that's yes, it. Yes, yeah. okay. I'm only here so I don't get fined. Um, what we'll look at is so Sticky's he's come out. He's clearly said, "Fuck off." Yeah, I'm clear as day. It's come out that there's been a bit of push out, pushback that he's said back off. 
Yeah. Okay. Oh, come on. No, we're not having this here. We're not having that here. Okay, so we're, we're going to – the bullshitometer is just absolutely oh, pinging mate, here at the I sports convention. I am going to go and vomit outside. The Robert Allenby studio is has just got red lights flashing. Now, let's put that to the side. Let's put that to the side. Sticky has come out. And it has been, we've been made aware that he's actually got an agreement with Fox Sports because he's one of the rare coaches who actually sits on the sideline. Uh, I believe is it Steve Crawley at Fox? I, I could be getting the name Paul, wrong. Paul, I think. Paul Crawley. Yep. Paul Crawley. Yep. I believe. Yep. Crawls. Paul Crawley at Fox has an agreement with Sticky that there is, uh, that they will not put the cameras in his face when he's on the sideline. Because there is a tendency that obviously being there with the camera, you're right on the sideline, you can sort of get in his grill. Whereas when they're up, coaches are up in the box, it's a long shot. They're sort of not right in their face. It could be Steve. Sorry, I'm yeah. going to go back. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. One of the Crawley guys. <laughs> We're okay. on fire here, guys. Yeah. Anyway, so I was pretty interested about that, though, to think that there is an agreement there with a coach, you know, with one of the lead, bro- you know, the broadcasters about etiquette with the camera yep. and they've you know, I think the argument will be that they've encroached on that etiquette yeah yeah and I think that's why sticky will he'll get off he'll, he might get a, one of those letters of concern Do you know, he should be let off why because we loved it Stick. Yes. we loved it we love you here at the sports attention don't ever change yeah, very good beautiful, beautiful what's up next week mate let's All right. let's power ahead final round round of the year before we hit the finals the Broncos versus the storm. Manly versus Tigers, the Rabbits versus the Chookies, uh, Dolphins versus the Warriors, the Penny Panthers versus the Cowboys, the Dragons versus the Knights, the Titans versus the Dogs, and the Sharks versus the Raiders. Parramatta have the bite of round out their year, so they've mm. already had their Mad Monday. Well, there goes that for and against argument. Mm, there goes they that. Can't, they, they can't, can't improve it anyway. They can't get any. You're just no. sort of hoping that someone else cops a polish if you want your um, points diff to go up. Now, look, I've got a bit of a, a, um, a bit of a complaint to make here, mate. Mm. Um, the Cowboys. Now, there's a bit of a rumour out there that they get themselves a nice soft draw uh, mm. each year. Um, and I'm not going to jump into that at the moment. I just yep. bought it up and I'm going to leave it out there. Yep. But uh, they are playing the Panthers for the second year in a row where they where the game will be hindered because of the last round of the year and coaches tend to rest players. Rest players yep. And they played the Panthers again this year, two top four teams from last year, during the origin-affected rounds. Mm. And that's the second year in a row I believe that's happened as well. Yeah. So part of my point, yes, is to point out the fact Cowboys get a soft draw and the fact that they're playing Panthers in origin affected and last round of the year helps them out. And maybe that should be shared around a little bit. But my big point is, is the NRL not robbing themselves of two high-quality matches that they could be selling. If they had them in round one or two of the year, Mm. if they had them a couple of rounds before the end of the finals, wouldn't they be blockbusters you could sell? Like two great teams, great forward packs, exciting outside backs, top of the table clash Mm. last year. You would be predicting fighting it out for finals this year. Are they not? Well, I I think that there's a, you know... Whatever goes into the decision-making, the fact that the Roosters and Rabbits find themselves playing on round one, round 27, 
no, it shows us that there is area for manoeuvring yeah. in the draw. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there is an argument there where you go, well, if we're going to do it for one, let's have at it. Let's, let's you know, make all the, the matchups desirable. Yeah, so anyway, um, I thought about that because um, my um, uh, I looked at the draw and I was like, well, Panthers versus Cowboys on paper should be an absolute ripper, but I don't think it will be. And so I've ended up going with the Sharks versus Raiders because I think they're both going to be as close as they can be to the full complement, both fighting it out for, for mm. positions in the eight. And, and really, they need to win. Sharks want to get that home final and uh, the Raiders want to just make sure that they... I don't think they're without a chance of a home final. If they win, and uh, in fact, maybe they will get it, and they are a slight chance, I think, of slipping out as well. A very mm. unrealistic chance, but maybe maybe that's still on the table. So I think from that point of view, it should be a good match, good and we game. should see semifinals come early. Yeah, I've gone for the Broncos storm, mate. Um, I just I can't go past it. I think if, uh, you know, the Broncos, there is a bit of added pressure there uh, with the minor premiership being on the line. Because um, obviously, if they lose that match and Penrith go on to win, the points differential favours Penrith. Um, yeah, but it'd be an interesting match. Obviously, the the fact that they, you know, they've got history, especially at Suncorp between those two teams. Um, yeah, I think it'll be a fast track and and a and a good match to watch. So, I love it, mate. I love mm. it. Right. Well, uh, that brings us to the end of the footy, mate. Mate, stream of the week. Yeah, what have you been catching at the moment, mate? Stream of the week, mate. Well, as we've spoken here before, we love our sports stockos. Mm. And I am a big, big Usain Bolt fan. Yeah. Big now, Usain Bolt full fan. disclosure, we're going to come in hot on the sports stockos over the next couple of episodes because yeah. Netflix has brought in the fire. We are the sports detention. Oh, so it's, it's our bread and butter, isn't it? They have been dropping fire. So, uh, yeah, so Usain Bolt, mate. Usain Bolt, mate. So uh, it's a great story. It was um, uh, – I actually read his um, autobiography after he won uh, three Olympic golds in in London, so mm. back-to-back, and this documentary was a follow-up to that after he'd won his further three Olympic golds at Beijing. Uh, not Beijing, sorry, at um, uh, Rio. Yeah. So um, what it does is it takes you through his um, – Humble beginnings growing up uh, in Jamaica in um, Sherwood County and um, talks about uh, how his work ethic was instilled by his father and and how he was a a prodigious talent all the way coming through and um, was having success until he got to the major circuit and then started finding that people like someone like a Tyson Gay in his favourite pet event at the 200 mm. metres was coming around the corner and they were pushing around, or, and they were pushing, pulling away from him. And um, really interesting to see his relationship with his coach, Coach Mills, mm. who are uh, very famous in the um, uh, world of athletics uh, yeah. Coached a number of... Pretty pretty special little environment they've got there. Yeah, pretty special mm. little environment. He talked about the fact how he had a real, a really strict um, coach when he first arrived at the academy and they just didn't gel and then he worked with Coach Mills who still drove him just as hard but knew how to push him mm. to that success. And um, again, I've, I love any documentary where you get to see an insight into a champion, someone who's fantastic, and they sit there and they talk to you about what makes them tick, what drives them. And he spoke about his competitiveness. Mm. He's a couple of instances he spoke about, I'll, I'll bring up with you now, in the um, 
lead up to the 2012 Olympic Games in London. He'd been injured. He was a little bit out of form. He'd actually lost his world championship 100 metres gold medal the year before. I don't know if you remember. He was DQ'd, mm. uh, false start. Yep. And um, Johan Blake, fellow yep. Jamaican, um, took that prize. Because that was the big... Um sort of stage setter for the London 2012 yeah. Games was the fact that, you know, Usain's coming in to defend his title, but this Johan Blake has been blitzing him in the, on the circuit. And to add to that, Johan Blake actually beat him in the Jamaican trials mm. for the Olympics. So yeah. Bolt finished second in the 100 and his favourite event, the 200. And he said that... That makes me sick when you say that. His favourite event, the 200. I know. It's I like know. he's not that good at the 100. That's right. The greatest he's only of all the time. fastest of all time. Yeah. Oh, that is so impressive. So he... um, Anyway, um, he said when they were crossing the line, Blake... um looked over at him and just gave him a little wink and just sort of gave him a little nod and a, a gotcha. And he said that was just the worst thing he could have done. Mm. He just – he lit a fire underneath lit him fire. and he said every day for the next six weeks in his training the Olympics, he pushed himself on the track to vomiting and, and he destroyed them. Like yeah. in one of the greatest races you'll ever see, if you've ever seen that 100 metres at London, it is one of the greatest 100 metres you'll ever see and he destroyed them, pulled away from them yeah. like nobody else could. And um, he also spoke, spoke about his rivalry with Justin Gatlin. Yep. Justin Gatlin, the, um, obviously the American sp- sprinter, Olympic gold medalist, uh, controversial um, yep. career, but um, nonetheless very successful. And he said Gatlin at times tried to get in his head by being up in his face and really upbeat, and that would just calm him down. He's just like, oh, no, yeah. I- I've got you. I've got him. But he's... And the last thing that he said that I really enjoyed, and this is what I enjoyed about the documentary, was the insight into his mind. He said he could just go out there and he could look. Someone like a Safa Powell, mm. who, former world record holder, like one of the fastest men to ever run, but just not a big race runner, never truly successful at the World Championships Olympics. He could look over at him and just go, oh, I've got you. Yeah. I've got you. The confidence. So, um... Well, it sounds like a ripper, mate. Yeah, a, yeah. a great story. Um, I, I, I really, really enjoyed it because I just love everything about Usain yep. Bolt, his charisma, his greatness, his ability to be able to perform time after time after time. We're talking about winning three Olympic gold medals in three consecutive Olympics. Yeah, no one's done amazing. it at two. It's just insane. Mm. And during that time, during that period, he only... He participated in every single world championships as well and only lost one gold medal in the 100 or 200 and that's because he jumped the start. Yeah. He beat himself. It's an incredible record. Mm. When you talk about the greatest athletes of all time, people will throw out Muhammad Ali uh, as they should. This man is right up there in yeah. my opinion. And, I mean, further solidified from his stint with the Central Coast Mariners. Of course, well. of I course. Mean, was that in the documentary? <laughs> or? No, he didn't quite mention that. He didn't quite mention that. Uh, but, but the, you know, the the you know the bollocks of the fella to go and jump in the A-League like he did as well. It shows yeah. you the personality. It's fantastic. And a big Man United fan, Gregor. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Number one fan. Number one fan. Well, he's the fastest fan. Let's, yeah. well, let's put it that way. Yeah, he, he, I he, consider he, myself a big fan. Yeah. <laughs> Nine and a half out of ten, mate. I loved it. Oh, excellent. Yeah, great story. Well, Certainly mate, recommend. Well, mate, the bat signal is our beeping. Yep. Uh, the football, mate. Let's we better get into it because uh, I'm I'm pretty sure there's 
there's some special guests that are after a good chat. And the boys are primed. The boys are primed. Should we get into it? Yep. Radio Potty football chat. It's time, that time of the week. The best time, some would say. Certainly would, mate, and it's been another big week, hasn't it? It has been another big week. Some massive matches in the Premier League, some transfers, just everything and anything happening. Yep. And we've got our two special guests back in. It's very important that we get some uh, some fruitful minds in on this football chat, so we welcome back our one and only guests. Cozzy and Berta. Cozzy and Berta. Boys, how are we? Good, thanks, boys. It's been a long day on the tools this, uh, today. Um, you know, how school teachers, we just we just never stop. We never stop going. So, uh, but it's uh, really happy to be here. No. And, and I mean, it's really it's really great that we were able to drag you away from all that marking you were doing as well to, to come and talk football. Thank you, mate. Thanks Absolutely. for giving up your time. And Berta, mate, uh, it's just an absolute pleasure to see you here again. Um, I mean, you must still be on some sort of cloud nine after um, the mighty oh. Liverpool. Geez, uh, we came from the clouds there, didn't we, Liverpool? But um, good to see you, boys. It's, um, unlike Cozzy, I did stop all day. I didn't do a lot, to be honest. But um, anyway, <laughs> let's get into it. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that's good. Yep. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, should we go through uh, match day three? What about a bit of transfer discussion first, Potty? All right, sorry, I've got a few, I've got a few, I've got a few deals that I want to swing the guests' way. Uh, and first one, which ha- doesn't happen all, kudos to West Ham. Kudos. I mean, we're not <laughs> congratulating him. Apparently, kudos is a player, and he's gone to West Ham. It's oh, a done deal. Well, okay. I don't know much about kudos. I don't get much kudos, but. Uh, I'm assuming uh, if he's, you know, joining the the high flying West Ham, he must be a decent player. Certainly, certainly. Boys, do you know anything about kudos? No, not much. Uh, I think um, I, I believe that he was on Arsenal's radar, as a lot of overpriced forwards are seemingly nowadays. Um, mm. But one thing I did hear about him very exciting to watch. One of those players that. Um, when he gets the ball, you know things are going to happen. I heard him sort of described as a real magician. So, mm. you know, it sounds like a great addition to the Premier League. Mm, kudos. Mm. Uh, Berta, mate, you know much about him. Has he knocked back Liverpool? What can you tell us about him? Well, well I, we were rumoured to be in it. So, of course, Chelsea put in a, a, a bid. But, um, yeah, like to sign West Ham to sign someone for $75 million, because he said, described as a an electric midfielder from uh, from the Ajax factory that they seem to pump out over there. Um, yeah, it looks exciting. Can't wait to see when he'll join West Ham, who are, are flying at the moment. So, mm. be very exciting to see some of his status in the in the Premier League. Now, another deal: uh, City in for Matthias Nunes from Wolves. I mean, he started off the season really well. 
Um, I mean, there there was that talk for of City sort of being in for Paqueta. I don't know. I haven't heard much sort of journalistic talk on it, so I don't know how real that was. There's obviously been a few rumours going around about some integrity issues back in Brazil that have come around the time that it appears to have gone cold. But um, what do you think about Mateus Nunes going to going to City? Well, I think it's a bit of a, a fallback plan because Paqueta didn't didn't work out. But look, mm. he looks. He looks decent enough. Um, he's in a Wolves team at the moment where, yeah, he, he you could probably shine pretty easily, I'd imagine. But um, if if the great Pep and Man City have seen something in him, well, then obviously he'll um, he'll probably go there for a ridiculous fee and, and and do well. They don't tend to go there and be flops. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, when you go to City. It, I mean, it's obviously going to be tough because, I mean, they're, they're struggling to, to put together the, the funding and, you know, all those other those other salary packaging, you know, things that need to be put together to make a big deal like this happen. And, and it's obviously something that City struggles with. So it'll be interesting to see whether this comes to fruition. Indeed. Well, so another deal... Guys, uh, Lukaku to Roma. It looks like it may happen. You, you've been hearing about this, guys. At Chelsea are looking to offload a big wage earner. Another one. Lukaku to Roma. What do you think if this one gets done, Cozzy? Do you reckon he'll be good there? Oh, I think he adds, He definitely adds something to any team that he plays for. I, I don't know whether it's in the dressing room. I think it's more out in the field. I think it's... What he adds to the dressing room, managers don't like. I, I don't know. You get that feeling sometimes when you read things about him that he just grinds people the wrong way, but then he'll walk out on the pitch and, and play really, really well. So I think teams have been just sort of, uh, or maybe approaching and then sort of looking out on the lookout for him and then inquiring about him, but. No one's really bit the bullet yet, and even I think his Roma's deal, a loan deal as well. It's not they're not an all in. Well, yeah, at, at yeah absolutely, it's a loan. At a hundred million, though, that I think that's what sort of prices a lot of clubs out of making a decent play for him. You know, because he hasn't yeah, put in hasn't put in a consistent string of performances at the one club. Um, he's obviously gone for large fees in his three previous moves whether it be, you know, from to United, from Everton to United, when he went to then to Chelsea. And he's gone out on loan three times during that time as well. So, yeah, I mean, there's a massive financial risk when you are signing him permanently. So you can see why why they are genuinely loan deals. Absolutely. Um, Potty. Beto. Beto. Beto to Everton from Udinese is done. He's a big money. 30, 30 million, I believe. Berta, can you confirm that? 30 million for, for Beto to Everton? Exactly, yeah. 30 million is, is the fee. Yeah, that's a, that's a big payday from, uh, from Everton. They had to do something, though. Oh. So, yeah, there's been rumours flying around all over the place for the last month and nothing's been coming through. And uh, the Wolves result over the weekend just you know yeah. another kick in the guts and obviously something needs to be done very very quickly uh Lukaku just slightly out of the range to get him back, back, back probably the last thing you need at Everton at the moment oh well just 
he'd put some goals in the back of the net. Oh, yeah, maybe. Um, sorry, Bert, again. Uh, I was just going to say, um, I, I don't know too much about the guy. I've done a little bit of research in, in preparation for the listeners. Um, I, I think <laughs> two things stood out for me that I discovered about Beto. Uh, he's 194 centimetres tall, so he's a big dude. Mm. And the other thing, the other, in the profile I was reading earlier today, it says that, that his best playing role is poacher. Okay. So I think that'll suit Everton down the ground. You know, a giant up the front, you know, maybe a Duncan Ferguson type uh, oh, player. Oh, getting excited. Stop it, mate. <laughs> well, you know, I mean... He sounds no, like a very much a very much an old school Sean Dyche type of player. You're saying there, Cosy? What you describe? Potentially, yeah. He's only you know he's 25 years old. So, but you know, I haven't seen many players described as their best position as being a poacher before. So, mm. well, I mean, you know, we we hold out a bit of hope for Everton here and the sports detention. Um, especially for our old mate Potty, because he's in he's in duress. He's under, you know, he's he's in a bad way. Um, there had been a reports <laughs> in the mail coming around that Che Adams was of interest to Everton as well, um, from Southampton. Um, Calvert Lewin's just struggling to stay on the field. Simple as that. I'm thinking, why not both? Like Dan Juma played pretty well on the weekend. I mean, he probably should have scored two. Mm. Um, you know, didn't get the goals. Obviously, the result went the way it did. But you know, you, when you're thinking and you speak like that, and you, you're seeing the the holes in 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 Everton's you know scoring ability, you like, why don't get both? Yeah, get both. But anyway, why not? You you know, you got a Premier League place that is at risk here. You know, it's probably worth the investment. I agree, mate. Well, Greg, Greg, just on that, we're still. Uh, solid three or four days away from the end of the window. I think there'll be a lot of teams at the moment keeping it close to their chest because they don't want to get into that bidding war. Normally, the last couple of days, and especially deadline day, I think I think Everton just have to bring in a couple of signings and, and, and most likely will. Yeah. I mean, and deadline day gets crazy. I mean, we've had some absolutely unbelievable deals that have happened. Deals that haven't happened as well. So, I mean, you think about Dimitar Berbatov, last minute Tottenham holding out for all the cash. We had Peter Odom Wingy turning up at, I believe, at QPR, wasn't it? He turned up there and he had that, a fee hadn't even been agreed for him. <laughs> and um, also to, what, who was that? Oh, and David De Gea, the fax machine. The facsimile that did not work at Real Madrid. <laughs> like... It is, it is chaos, and hopefully we have some fun over the next couple of days. Beautiful, beautiful. Cozzy, Balagon. Is that how you sp- say um, He's going to yeah, Monaco. Yeah. I'm just, I just don't, I'm not sure how I feel about this one. Um, you know, a player with so much potential, he was one of those players that would be, you would see him come around in the League Cup um, mm. when he was a bit younger, and then, of course, he went off to, uh, Reigns in the uh, Liga 1 French division last year, played 36 games, scored 20 goals. Yep. And you're just thinking, come back home, son. You know, he's an Englishman. Prop him up front. Um, you know, get him into the squad. Be positive. But it just hasn't been that at all. It's just been, you know, he's, he's going here or he's going there. And then yeah. finally, you know, he, he's off. 
So, so, so when I'm Eddie, sure. so when Eddie in Kedia was having a dispute on his contract, do you feel as though that probably was the window there? And now that he's come to an agreement on, you know, extended terms, that there probably just wasn't that space. Yeah, I'm not sure because I don't think uh, uh, neither of them would be commanding huge money. Mm. You know, I don't think it was one or the other. Um, but, but in terms of game put, time, yeah. But once again, like um, the weekend, he didn't. Eddie and Teddy didn't play up front. Um, but you know, in a game where you're playing against Fulham and you need a focal point. And he didn't play him up front. Like, the, yeah. you can't tell me there wouldn't be an opportunity to put Balogun in and, and give him a go, give him a, as much chance as in, Kelly has had. But maybe in the back rooms, he doesn't fit into the models of mm. an Arteta side, you know. Yeah. Maybe there's a bit of bit to it. Yeah. Oh, well, it's an interesting – it's a big deal. Obviously, Monaco's no, no pinch of a club. So, you know, it's a, it might be a good opportunity for him. Yeah, and what do you go for? Uh, 38 and a half. Well, I mean, 38 and a half. Is that Euros? Yeah. That is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. And and Beto to Everton for, for 30. Tells you there's there's always value when you buy outside of England. That's right. Mm. Very true. So, yeah, 22-year-old. Is he going to be another uh, Serge Gnabry at Bayern Munich? You know, everyone said, why did, they, why, did we, why did Arsenal get rid of him? Why did they get him off the books? It was too early to get rid of him. And look at him now, you know, he's, he's playing really well for Germany and Bayern Munich, but yeah. time will tell. I mean, when you let players learn their craft at West Bromwich Albion, they can they can flourish anywhere in the world. <laughs> well, uh, Balogun did spend a little bit, bit of time at Middlesbrough, so another, you know, <laughs> another big uh, impressive breeding ground right there. Excellent. All right, Potty, what, you, what happened during the week, mate? What do we have? All right, to run us through the matches, Chelsea 3-0 over Luton Town. Uh, Bournemouth uh, went down to Spurs 2-0. Uh, Arsenal Fulham, 2-all draw, Cozzy. Devastated. 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 Um, Everton, they went down to the Wolves 1-0. Uh, yeah, let's move on from that. <laughs> United <laughs> United uh, beat Forest uh, 3-2. Brighton went down to West Ham 3-1. Uh, Burnley went down to Villa 3-1 City got over Sheffield United 2-1 And uh, well Berta We've touched on this But uh, the the Liverpool mate 2-1 over Newcastle Happy with that Yeah well considering we played Most of the game From the 26 minute 10 man And our centre back opens with Joel Matip and Joe Gomez to get away with a win at St James's Park. Yeah, I'm I'm very very happy with that. What do you, What are your thoughts on the red card, uh, Berta? Oh, look! Once again, it's it was probably not a straight red. Um, the conspiracy theorist could could rise again and say that the refs were maybe a little bit angry at being overruled the previous week, so they were looking for something, but. It was it was a yellow it was a yellow and a and a free kick but the way he carried on after the the incident um, will will probably not only make sure that this gets upheld but might even add a game or two because I think he abused every official he possibly could on the way off yeah. so not a good look for the new Liverpool captain um, who who could have just admitted he was wrong maybe taken the punishment and then Liverpool went to appeal again. Um, Alexis McAllister, but yeah, he, he's he's done 
now, so we have to go shopping for centre back in this window. Otherwise, with the games coming up, it'll be very, very dim. We have to play those two. Well, it was an interesting one too, because even if there was, um, yeah, obviously there was a an ambition to appeal that red card. By the letter of the law, it'd be very hard to overturn it, but it was nowhere near as rash as what could be deemed, a, you know, a reckless or a violent offence. So it's really, it's one of those interesting ones where it's a red in the letter of the law, but it's still a soft foul because he got the ball. Yeah, well, well, they're saying that, the, the, from what I can understand, he, he denied him a, a clear goal-scoring opportunity by clicking, uh, getting the ankle first and yeah. then ball. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know, like... I'll throw it out to all of you guys that you know, put your just football hat on for this this time. Is was it a straight red, guys? What do you think? Uh, I think for the letter of the law, you got to go with it because that's what it was a foul and a and last man foul. But I mean, it's not the only one. The I I had a chat with Cosy in passing about the Nottingham Forest red against United, which I think, yeah, you could really even struggle with the letter of the law on that one as well. Like it's. Yeah, technically, but was he the last man on Bruno Fernandez? I don't know. Like it's, um, yeah, we're getting into that NRL territory where we're trying to go black and white on things, and we're losing. At times, we're losing the fabric of of flowing football within those decisions. Yeah, and I agree. I think I really don't like rescinding cards. I mean, if you get the card, you get the card, and if it's mm. not a you know, if it's bad luck, if it's if it's it shouldn't have been handed out. Yeah, I understand that. But when we're starting to go back into that territory, as you said, of, of taking cards back three and four days later after review or or some sort of referral, I just don't like it. I don't think it's in the spirit of the game. It's the game happens in that ninety minutes. Move on after that. Mistakes are made. We know that it's football. That's what makes us fall in love with it. Mm. Yeah. yeah, fair call. Yeah. Oh, full disclosure, I missed it. I didn't see <laughs> didn't see much over the weekend. But I um, now, as an Everton fan, mate, if I said a Liverpool player got sent off, yeah, early into the game, what would you say? Oh, yeah. Well, fair call. Only one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, look. Well, you, you know, it, it sounds like you're talking about consistency, and with that black and white, Grego, that getting that real consistency. It's an ugly word, isn't it? It is. It is. But yeah, how oh, well? It's a con. It's a con. Consistency. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Let's just give him eight weeks and be done one. with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, boys, headlines of the week. What do you got for me, Berta? Mate, Nunez nails Newcastle. Ooh. Simply Ooh. outstanding performance like that's what we pay for that's what we paid a, a record transfer fee for from Ben Fika he he looks more composed this year the finishes were outstanding he's a ball of energy he's been training the house down and this oh, is going to get him more game a, more game time he, he this like he's not going to go on to be an Erling Erling Haaland and score you know thirty six goals, but this could potentially be the turning point in the in the Darwin Nunes Liverpool experiment so far. Um, he, his his confidence has risen, and the goals will come. Mm, but even Erling had a slow start, so yeah. oh, he was destined to fail. Well, 
he did. He, yeah, he, he, he was a, a flop at the start, according to Grego. <laughs> So well, I couldn't resist. Couldn't yeah, resist. so so the week I decided to remove Darwin Nunez from my uh, my my fantasy coach team or fantasy league team, uh, yeah, he comes up good. Great, great news. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rush him back in, boys. That's uh, I don't know. We're talking about fantasy this week, but that is my tip of the week. Rush him back in. Wow. Mm. Yeah, Gregor, I might send you a list of a couple of my players you can take out of your team as well. Then for this upcoming <laughs> weekend. Boost my scores up. Um, I just can I jump in? I'd just like to add there. I think uh, I really like Luis Diaz. Like I think he adds so much mm. more to Liverpool. He was and, a massive loss know, for them last year. Uh, yeah. So Nunes just playing through the middle. Just leave him in the middle. Just let him run at people and collect the ball. You know, I think without like last year, he was just all over the place. You, I don't know whether it was what it was, whether it was just linking up with midfielders and not finding his spot, but have Luis Diaz there, have Mo Salah there, you got speed, you got trickery, just leave him in the middle just to be the ball running up and down the middle of the pitch. I think you'll, you know, Bertie, your Liverpool side will get a ton more goals. Yeah, absolutely. Last year he was a rough start, very rough start, played out of position, didn't know whether he was starting or, or, or benching and yeah, but it, you could just tell that uh, even in pre-season, you could just tell we had a slightly different Darwin Nunes, and yeah, that that game that's the that's the confidence you need. So I'm, I'm looking very forward to watching him in the next few weeks. Beautiful, beautiful. What about you, Cosy? Headline of the week? Yeah, so I've gone for a little bit of play on words. So it's we love that. Uh, here. New- <laughs> It's uh, Arteta's new Arsenal, like for dislike. So not like for like, like for dislike. I'm just concerned, boys. I'm just concerned. Um, You know, he's brought in some quality. He's brought in some new players. He's brought in some, uh, well, not controversial, but not to everyone's liking. You know, you watch and listen to a lot of Arsenal fan TV and and opinions, and Kai Havertz is is popping up. Knocking a fair whack of criticism so far. Um, I, look, Cosy, I just have just to stop the, you there, mate. Um, if you're watching Arsenal fan TV, do they do anything but <laughs> criticise? <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> but I did, I did in saying that's their stand-up argument between two fans that were one was protecting Kai Havertz and having a go at the other bloke for always having a go at him. So that was inter- that was a good one. That was interesting. Look, there, you just outlined why I actually watch Arsenal fan TV as a Man United fan. <laughs> <laughs> Entertainment value. Oh. Bogans are not just Australian, you know, boys. Bogans are, I don't know what they call them in Britain. Maybe, Grego, you might know. But, you know, Bogans, they're everywhere in the world, that's mm. for sure. Mm. Yeah. But, so, yeah, no, I just think, oh, there's question marks there. H- has he... Is he bringing in? Is he bringing totally different players this year to last year, and is it affecting the team dynamic and and you know Partey's role at playing him right back as but then a deep lying midfielder and just different things that he's trying. Um, I don't know. It's just got a big question mark on it at the moment. Well, the thing with Kai Havertz too. I mean, obviously he's in the pile on phase as well because I mean that two yard pass that went over the sideline was was absolutely chopped up galore online. And <laughs> I think, you know, he's obviously got an immense amount of talent. The, the kids won a Champions League. 
You know, let's not forget that. He was fundamental to Chelsea beating City in that match in Portugal. So, I mean, there's obviously quality there. And and I don't think it is going to help him as a footballer if Arsenal fans start piling onto him like Chelsea fans did prior to them kicking him out the door. Mm. So, Yeah, and I think... We, I had a look at the statistics because I didn't see all of Arsenal's game on the weekend. And there are three midfielders. Arsenal's three midfielders had all a passing percentage of over 90%. Like, I think Kai Havertz was 92%, 93% success rate on his passes. Mm. Um, you know, like, that's very, very high. Like, Declan Rice, I think, was 98% success rate on... on 40 or 50 passes throughout a game. Like, it, it's massive numbers. Um, in comparison, interestingly, I took a look at um, uh, Liverpool's midfield because I was going to bring up their new signing, Endo, who got replaced after an hour on the weekend. Um, but their, their, their passing percentages, oh yeah, they're high as well, but they're like 80s, 81, 83, 87. So, you know, are we just judging too harshly too early? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a thought there, um, especially I suppose one of the things that isn't going to so much work in Kai Havertz's favour is the way that um, Odegaard is playing because he's just on a different level at the moment. Oh, absolutely, yeah. He's making the people around him look pretty good, mm. as he did all last that, year. Yeah, because that game, and you said you didn't catch all of it, I, I, the injury time in, in that game was one of the most exciting I've seen in a while like there were three or four decent chances for both teams to win it end to end stuff um, yeah it was a it was a, a good display from, from both teams that I think a draw in the end was a, a quite a fair result but um, yeah if you, if you want to see some entertainment do yourself a favour jump on and catch the injury time mm. oh the whole game was like that but like if any of the listeners was able to catch the game like uh, Fulham were just dynamic. Like they were just moving the ball up the field so quickly, and Arsenal had a, a massive amount of possession, but never looked like the game was safe. Like even though they were a goal down the course early on, they were just piling on the pressure. Arsenal, but and then Fulham would just get the ball, and they looked like they got a score every time. Like they just the way they moved the ball, it was it was a really good game, really good game. And you can see watching Fulham up um, the midfielder. Uh, Palhinha is is in high demand from the from the big clubs. I mean, what a player he is! Yeah, absolutely. He's pulling the strings, definitely. Yeah, very good, very good. And uh, Gregor, what about yours, mate? Mate, there was only really one headline I could go with, <laughs> mate. It's uh, David Moyes claims this one's for Cozzy. West Ham <laughs> hit the ground running with a massive win over top four certainties, Brighton and Hove Albion at the Amex, mate. West Ham, where has this come from? It's, uh, it's been pretty darn impressive, considering that they were absolutely ripped to shreds by our one and only Cozzy in our preview yeah. about how there was a lack of signings and they were just they're on a, they're on a, a ship to nothing. But James Ward-Prowse, Cozzy, we've already, we've already had a little chin wag about this, but how good has James Ward-Prowse been and how good has that front line been for West Ham uh, on the transition? Oh, yeah. I mean, his quality. I mean, what he was doing at Southampton last year, it was just incredible. And um, and not just his free kicks as well. If you saw, you know, the highlights of the Southampton games, like, sure, he was, you know, knocking in 
uh, free kicks from everywhere, all over the pitch. Played the teams were just getting everyone back, trying to get them in front of the ball to try and stop him, and they had no answers. But what you also needed to see was him just drifting across the box, just putting passes through to players, or sneaking in at the far post as he, as he can do. You know, he, he's a real quality. He's, I'm surprised that it took well West Ham in particular so long to pick him up. Mm. It's um it was interesting because obviously Michael Antonio there's there's a bit of talk that there might be some some late scratches for him in around um, the water coolers of Saudi Arabia um, a lot of discussion about trying to make an offer from him but he's hit the ground running this this season as well and his finish on the weekend was I don't think you see that from Michael Antonio three years ago. They're just the confidence to be able to hit it from outside of the box where he did on the run and just pocket it. It was a it was a wonderful yeah. strike. Yeah, he's a he's another power player. Just give him the ball, let him run, give him space, let him run at plays, and they just you know that, they shit themselves. Mm. My left Jared, that I would tell. You can say whatever you want on this podcast, mate. Of course you can, mate. Absolutely. Hey, Jared Bowen, he's another one that's pulling the strings for West Ham, just to just running running the middle of the park. Just yeah, that they'll um they're going very well. But Greg, I do love in your your headline, a very short one, only four lines. You've actually managed to take the piss out of Cosy and myself. Yeah, that's very yeah. impressive. I mean, don't take it yeah. personally, mate. I mean, no, I'm impressed. <laughs> I, I love it. Yeah, he works hard. So I read that. I had read that headline and I thought it wasn't taking the piss out of me. I thought you were justifying my comments in last week's show about how I didn't think Brighton and Hove Albion were all that. So I just thought you were just reinforcing that point. No, uh, I thought he was slamming you for um, yeah, that West Ham had done nothing and that they'd do nothing in the in the preview show of the EPL season. I would I would no, just no. like to reiterate to both of you guys, what type of enemies have you got in your lives? Because if you think this is a personal attack <laughs> on you, <laughs> I wouldn't have invited you onto the show. Well, we weren't born yesterday, so we, we're not going to fall for that one. But uh, the point of order, point of order, if we go back, and the listeners will be able to send in some, you know, whatever they send in social media. I didn't uh, uh, ditch or, or pot David Moyes and West Ham. I just said they hadn't made any transfers. I didn't say they weren't going to go very well this year. I didn't say that at all. I just said they hadn't made transfers. I think at the time we were we were recording, they made about three. Yeah. And maybe one earlier in the day and then another two the next day. So my timing wasn't good, but I'd never potted West Ham. I never said they wouldn't go very well. Yeah. I mean, and if anyone is taking it personally here, it's obviously David Moyes. <laughs> right, another big club that they're listening to the sports attention, hey? West Ham and Liverpool. There you go. Of course, of course. Worldwide. Potty, what do you got, mate? Headline. All right. All aboard the Big Ange train. Even Robbie Williams. Oh, yes. We've oh, all seen this. Did what a catch- song. Yeah. Yep. Angels. What a song. I mean, you know, you just felt like busting it out, didn't you? What mm. What a song. And, um, yeah, he, he's certainly gaining some fans. And uh, it, it got me thinking, boys, who would you like to be singing a song for your club? You know, uh, Pavarotti? Oh, Pavarotti. So many options. So, I was thinking Spice Girls. Yeah, yes, yeah, righto, Spice Girls. Mm. What about uh, Take That? Take That. Yeah. Um, oh, you know it what? It has to be British. Or 
You know who I would really want? I would like, I mean, rest his soul, Freddie Mercury, just to mm. sing We Are The Champions at Old Trafford again. That would be bloody nice. Yep. Beautiful, <laughs> beautiful. But I've put you on the spot. I'm going to chime in here. Look, it's a no-brainer. It's an absolute no-brainer. John Lennon. Mm. Born in born in Liverpool Hospital, it has to be John Lennon singing a song about the great LFC. Mm. Lovely, lovely. Yeah, I was just cosy. Um, yeah, as I said, I think um, North London, you know, it's full of uh, diverse populations, and where we're, Arsenal is a club for all the people, and I think this, you know, as I said, the Spice Girls covers all bases there. You know, you've got you've got the scary population, you've got you know. All the Spice Girls, you've got, who else is there? Sporty Spice, um, you know, we've got them covered, mate. Don't, don't like that old mate. Just, just raffle them off. Shut up. Yeah, well, you've got to add a little bit of culture sometimes to, to these recordings. I thought when you started talking about culture, you were going to drop Dizzy Rascal or something like that. <laughs> Beautiful, boys. Nailed it. Nailed it. Um, now, something that popped up in the discussion points for me, Potty, um, additional time rewarding the wrong team. And I wouldn't mind getting the, the you know, the forum's ideas on this ones. Uh, Eric Tan Hag's comments after United were um, obviously had to defend additional time, obviously uh, Forrest looking to, to bite back, but the additional time was actually accumulated by Forrest delaying time when they were in the lead. So Eric Ten Hag was sort of mentioning in his post-match presser saying, look, essentially they've got to do something about this additional time rules because, yeah, it's fair enough to want to play that additional time, but at the end of the day it's rewarding the wrong team because it's rewarding the team who wasted the time with a chance to continue and try and win the match after wasting that time just because they've conceded the goals, which I, I didn't even think of it, but that was an interesting point. Mm. What do you reckon, boys? You absolutely took the piss out of Jurgen Klopp last year at Anfield when Nick Pope laid down for about four and a half minutes and then we got extra time and Liverpool won the game in the last second. And now Eric Ten Hag says it and all of a sudden it's a debate. Nah, extra time is additional time. doesn't matter how it's friggin' accumulated. Play the game. Football is football. Spirit of the game, all the cliches. Look, no there was, way. that was an extra time, though. That was just additional gameplay until Liverpool scored. That was absolutely Nick Pope lying down. The people that do the sums did the sums. Liverpool scored in the correct amount of time. Nah, no way. This is sounding like Eric Ten Jurgen to me. No. <laughs> next, next, the pitch will be too too drunk. Or oh, the wind mate, will be too how drunk. how dare you label <laughs> my manager in the same frame as your manager when it comes to excuses, Craig? Well, he's starting to get there with the with the extra time <laughs> argument. He's, he's, he's one from three on the checkerbox list. Now, it was an observation, I must say. It was an excuse, an excuse So um, to defend Eric on that one. It was an observation. I hadn't even thought about it, and I was like, oh, he makes a good point. Will it change? Probably not. No, I would say, you know, because they've got to do something to try and stop the wasting of time. But, um, yeah, I, I just had never even thought of it that other way. Yeah, I still struggle to understand how you would do it, I mean, if, is he still giving that message if they don't win or if somebody scores a goal 
two minutes before the end of normal time, do we then go, well, hang on, we're, we're changing extra time because you've just scored or like, how do you do that in the running of the game? It's okay to look back and say that, but mm. at the time, if they go five minutes to go, we're going to review who's who's winning and who's been wasting. I just don't get it. No, I think it was more of an observation. It wasn't a, you know, I've got an yeah. idea. It, it wasn't a, this is yeah. what they should do. It was more of just an observation and, you know... It was like when Jurgen Klopp observed how windy it was when every time he lost. Nah, that's not, no way. We're not going back to Jurgen. We're talking about Ten Hag with an excuse. <laughs> oh well, I, I don't think. I think we're we're on a hiding to nothing on this one. Um, speaking about players being down, um, Arsenal. I mean, just absolutely no consideration of the health and well-being of their opponents on the weekend. Um, Scoring the winner whilst a defender was down, clearly, I mean, I think he was struggling to breathe. He might have been having some sort of serious health incident and they just continued until they scored. What do you think about that one, Cozzy? Uh, I like how you added that little bit on the end. They just continued until they scored. Um, <laughs> serious health incident. He got touched. I wasn't, we're not talking about 10 minutes or we're not talking about half the game or anything like that. We're talking about the ball travelling up the other end. We're probably talking about a total of, what, seven, eight, nine passes. Like, it wasn't that long. It wasn't like the guy needed to be transported to hospital or anything like that. So, I mean, that was all sceptical. I mean, that was, you know, we don't know the, the seriousness until we get medical attention, though. We do. And, and then some of our players just go down so injured and then once they're carried off the field and it looks like they're off the hospital with a broken leg, they jump up off the stretcher and they're back on the field again. So, no, no I think fair game. He, that guy was about 30 centimetres from the um, touchline. He could have rolled off. That's an option. He could have done that. So, no, yeah. fair, fair play. Play on, I think. I think well, my point about this is, and we touched on it in a short discussion, is about, what would have been the discussion around if Arsenal had put a player in the box, knowing that that guy was down near the touchline, and put in a player in the box in a totally what would traditionally be an offside position, and then scored? That would be a different discussion. Mm. That would be funny. That would be that, that would, would be, be funny. all over the news. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but essentially they did it discreetly. Yeah, play to the rules of the game. Play on, I say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, final little discussion, boys. Uh, discussion point, my apologies. I just had a semi-stroke there. Yeah. Uh, who is this Raheem Sterling fella? <laughs> Did anybody catch this guy uh, playing for Chelsea on the weekend? Who is he? Gregor, I did. I watched the I watched the Luton Town match. Um, he, he he was everywhere. Like I think, what did he bag? Two two goals. Yeah, I, I think. But it it, it, it could have been a, it could have been a couple more. And with their run in the next couple of weeks, he'll, here's another one. He'll Darwin Nunes like he'll score more as well. But he's been pretty switched on, even. A bright light against West Ham, and he was definitely very lively against Liverpool. So I think whatever Ponch is doing over there um, has got is has got Raheem cooking again. Mm. Um, I mean, I did see in the, the fantasy that um, after the match that 
the lead scorer of that. Someone triple captained him. I mean, mm, he's been yes. doing nothing all season and they've decided to triple captain him. Ivan mm. Tony, maybe. Yeah. Someone's, <laughs> had, someone's had the pun on him. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Um, what about our uh, fantasy football tips for the week, guys? Um, where are you at with that, Cozzy? Um, well, off the back of Raheem Sterling and Chelsea, um, I really like the look of their back line at the moment. It looks, it looks steady. Uh, it looks um, tight. Um, it, and it, they're pushing forward. They're getting some goals. You know, they're getting some assists. So my my um, fantasy tip of the week was Chelsea's cheapies at the back. So um, there's a couple of guys there who will push forward and lend some assists. And with players like Raheem Sterling getting the goals, then, you know, they might be in amongst it. And I think looking at their next sort of fortnight of games, um, they could be in for some big totals. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, What about you, Berta? Darwin, Darwin, Darwin. Get him in. Mm. That's it. Potent. Strong. I thought you were going to. Will score goals. Mm. I thought he was going to go in with an old-time war joke about Darwin and explosives. And, yeah, something like that. But anyway, uh, no, he held back. Uh, look, Potty, I'll, I'll jump in, mate, my tip of the week. Tottenham is where the value's at. Okay, there's a lot of value around at Tottenham. However, if you were to go to the FPL website, I think Cozzy and I, we've, you know, a bit of tele- telepathic understanding with our uh, with our tips here because all the biggest movers, ins and outs are from Chelsea and Tottenham this week. So, yeah, we're on the same chain of thought. Very nice, very nice. What I think oh, I think uh, Cozzy's uh, quite right. There's a fair bit of value there at Chelsea, but I also uh, think there's going to be a lot of goals, City versus Fulham this week. So, yeah. yeah. Might be able to find some value there. Um, well, I've got Bernd Leno in goal, so I'm yep. fucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, uh, we are talking to fantasy royalty at the moment. I mean, Cozzy, obviously the champ and Bird are on top at the moment. So, well, yes. So, uh, well, I also worked out that um, yeah, you you got to refresh your page if you want to know what your score is. Oh, what? <laughs> yes. Refresh your page and get a calculator out, Krigo. Don't forget the minuses. Yeah, well. Anyway, transfers will bite you. Yep. They'll kill you. They'll kill you. All right. Beautiful. Oh, yeah, mate. Next week, what do we got? Fixtures. Next, next week. Then we'll tie a bow in it. Um, there's a typo? No, I said we'll tie a bow in it. Oh, okay. Tie a bow. <laughs> typo. Right, eh? I mean, yeah, uh, there's probably a typo in there There's probably a couple well. in there. I didn't thought pulling me up on that. Okay. Right, eh? Here we go. Luton versus West Ham. Uh Sheffield take on uh, the Toffees. Toffees just have to find a point. Uh, Man City versus Fulham. Chelsea versus Forest. Burnley versus Spurs. Brentford versus Bournemouth. Brighton versus Newcastle. Palace versus the Wolves. Liverpool versus Villa. And here we go. A stinger for the sports detention. Arsenal versus United. Mm. Mm. I don't... I, I don't like it. Uh, the only reason I don't like it is because Arsenal dropped points at home on the weekend and I really, really struggle to see them dropping points at home this early in the season, two matches in a row. Mm. 
Mm. So I, I mean, I don't know why or where that fits within, you know, what could possibly happen on the field, but I, I just, yeah, I struggle to see it happening. Well, all I'll say to give you a bit of ho- hope is, Cosy sounded a bit shaky before, a bit nervous in his voice when he was talking mm. about Arsenal. So I don't know. How are you feeling, Cos? Um, that game, United are a bit of a thorn in our side. You know, it doesn't matter really how well we're travelling. They always give the Gunners a real run for their money. I think it's the the uh, annoying little prick gene just runs really strong in all of Manchester United's players and managers and, and, and support crew. So it's always, uh, yeah, it's always a challenge. That's why it's never an easy game. Mm. Mm. Yep, well done. You've both talked your team down so you can be... Nice and surprised when they get yeah, the chocolates. Oh, mate, Job yeah, well done. Are you, yeah, are you nothing, some sort of nothing psychologist? Nothing better than being surprised. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, I like to uh, just talk about one more fixture on the weekend. We've got yet another relegation bout a six-pointer. Nobody mentioned the Saturday night game. I think that was that was steered around very quickly, Sheffield United versus Everton. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, well, there was a mention that they need points, and I mean, Captain Obvious speaking, obviously. Like, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, Sheffield United weren't bad against City on the weekend. They were dangerous mm. at times. Um, but in saying that too, Dan Juma probably had two or three really, really good opportunities that if he puts it on target, there's probably the ball's probably going back in the onion bag. So you're you're looking for Everton to convert those opportunities. It's not happening at the moment. But it could be a good old-fashioned scrap or it could be two sides parking the bus looking to scrape home a 1-0. Well, honestly, I take a goal at the moment. Haven't scored yet. So, (laughs) you know, like it's getting ridiculous. It's It's getting a joke. And Alex Iwobi, losing him has Mm. been a massive loss for Everton. Like the the way he's, I think he's, he's uh, Decore's been obviously getting a fair few plaudits, especially scoring the goal to keep them in the in the league last year. But you know, Awobi for the last eighteen months for Everton has almost single handedly carried the side on his back. Mm. Yeah. I've got a I've got a quick one, boys. Probably uh, tie a bow in it. <laughs> Brighton bounce back a bit more alliteration for the night. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they they'll uh, their top four charge will reunite this week against a, a de- deflated Newcastle. Mm. Yeah, right. Wow, magic poetry. <laughs> there we go. Thank you, Rightio, lads. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you joining us again, Potty. Anything else to add before we finish up the football chat? No, boys. Thank you for coming on. We love it. Your expertise, your passion, is second to none. Always a pleasure, Potty and Gregor. Have a good night. Thank you, boys. And we look forward to some big signings in the next couple of days. Watch out for a $45 million striker for the Arsenal. I'll just leave it at that. $45 million. What are you Ooh. getting him from League Two? <laughs> it's 2020. It's 2023. Before you move on. Before you move on. Just wet your whistle. Okay. We'll, t- we'll hold you to that one, Cozzy. Thanks, boys. It's been a pleasure. Right, yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks, boys. Rightio. Yeah, Rightio, Potty. Uh, should we move on, mate? Let's do it, mate. Let's do it. What have we got on now? Integrity report. Let's get integral, mate. Integrity. This is Democracy Manifest. 
Grego, we've got to get integral here, mate. Ooh, we've got some integrity issues, apparently. We do, mate, we do. And unfortunately, as we do every week, but we need to handle them right here on the sports detention. Yeah. So, um, you know, big footy fans, us, and you might have caught on, on, in the news over the last few days, there was a pretty ugly, some pretty ugly scenes at a, um, at a park football event. Uh, there were uh, wild scenes at Redfern Oval in Sydney. Mm. Yeah, I saw uh, that. When there was a full-scale brawl uh, in the A-League Grand Final between the Redfern All Blacks and the Alexandria Rovers. So did you see the incident, mate? I did, mate. Um, I couldn't help but um, notice that uh, it's it's mentions in, in the reporting of this that there was a, the senior team playing on the day, had a wild brawl after a props brain explosion. Now, I would go as far to say it wasn't a props brain explosion. It was straight up a criminal act. It was. It was. It was a dog act. Yeah, it was. It, like, so, essentially, he wasn't the person who's been, um, well, there's video footage of you in committing this act, wasn't the first person to tackle. He basically waited till uh, the person who he intended to hit was wrapped up by two other players and came in and hit him. Yeah. It was... Yeah, the, if if it had been done outside the um, sporting world, not on a sporting field where a game was being played, and there'd been video footage of it, there is no doubt that he would have been charged for that. Yeah, yeah. It's um, and basically, so what happened uh, afterwards is, uh, to my knowledge, is the game was called off. Yeah. So yeah, and it was about I don't a minute was, to go. Yeah, yeah, it was done. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that it's all it's not like the referee. Or the officials have taken, you know, they've ta- they haven't taken action which would be deemed oh well they've got control of this. It's basically just like we're done. You yeah, know. yeah oh. it was a very easy decision to make in that in that circumstance. It wasn't some sort of drastic decision with twenty thirty to go that they've said look enough's enough. We're calling it off. Yeah, and the, the, it was a very tight game. The uh, the team who with the the front row who committed the act had just surrendered the lead with only about a minute to go. But we're not going to go into that because none of that's an excuse and uh, it doesn't really matter what the background story is. Unfortunately, it didn't stop there. There are reports that surfaced today that um, the fight, the fighting, should I say, continued on the streets afterwards with a group of young women who apparently were there watching the game and then engaged in... Uh, a physical altercation outside the park, and there was video footage of that as well. So, uh, unfortunately, the the brawl between the players on the field has then spilled over to what you'd have to imagine is fans out onto the streets. Mm. Uh, this isn't really, I don't think, Grego, the first time we've spoken about this, about local sporting events and um, this yeah. kind of violence. It's not necessarily in rugby league as it was in this time. I think that when we spoke about it earlier this year, it was uh, at a local football match and yeah. a, a referee was um, was hit. But it just can't continue. So oh, yeah, I agree, mate. I th- it's it's to the point where you're just going, it just can't continue. It is. I would go as far to say it is killing grassroots sport. It is. We've both got young children. Do we want our kids being around that sort of thing? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's We, you know, we participate recreationally. Do we want to be around that sort of stuff? No. Absolutely not. No. Got better things to do. Yeah, exactly. 
You know, it's it's absolutely mind blowing. And you know, as somebody who doesn't mind, you know, competing, whether it be boxing, martial arts, and the like, it inherently frustrates me when I see this shit going on in sports such as rugby league, soccer, AFL, alike, because. If you wanted to fight, guys, sign up. Mm. Sign up at your local gym and go and fight. Yeah. But waiting till somebody is being tackled on the ground with their hands pinned, one to a football and the other to the ground trying to get up and dropping an elbow on them is a dog act. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And it's it's the circumstances that you highlight there that are – the real issue. It's not two blokes who square off and go, okay, let's go on the football field, which there is no place for um, in today's game either. They would have been sent off. Yeah. They would have been suspended. It is taking the opportunity to a person who doesn't defend themselves. You said it, and I think you know it, mate. It is criminal. And maybe in order to stop these sort of things happening, which as we discussed is happening more regularly, maybe that's the line that's going to be taken more. Or needs to be taken more. Do you think that's a fair comment? Well, I mean, it. I think there's validity to the comment, but that's where it gets pear-shaped. If you think about, you know, an example that has occurred in the past where obviously, um, what's it, uh, Gary Jack? Yeah. You know, the issue where, I mean, Ian Roberts went through pretty much a full forward pack to get to Gary Jack, uh, Gary Jack and absolutely flogged him and then sat in front of the courts about it. Yeah. You know, it's so that on the other side of it is where when you bring the whole police element into it where it gets a bit, you know, people just, the big problem is, is when it gets to that point, whether it be, you know, law enforcement having to adjudicate these things at a grassroots level, the toxic nature of the environment at a grassroots level, when that all clashes, people are unhappy, people don't play. Yeah. People chuck it in. And the very, very important competitions at local A-grade levels around the state, around the country, just absolutely die. Mm, Yeah. And that's the big problem. That is a huge problem. And it's becoming more and more concerning as uh, two blokes who loved our sport, love it now, loved it growing up, Mm. like absolutely loved, um, couldn't get enough of it, footy, soccer, basketball, whatever will play anything. You just, you hate to see what's happening. You hate to see where there are situations going on that are going to turn people off, myself included, from going and watching local sporting events. I don't want to be around that. Mm. From going and getting their kids to participate in local sporting events. I'm definitely not having them around that. Mm. Yeah. So that was my thoughts very, on that, mate. Yeah, it's very frustrating. I, I, you know, I completely agree. Um, you know, and I, I like hard sport. Like, I love seeing people challenge each other. But in the same way, I really, really despise these gutless acts that you see in local sports. You see it all the way through at times. It's often, as you get to the more professional area, it's just rubbed out because of access to resources, technology and the like. But, you know... It's a real blight on recreational sport. Mm. It really is. And then when you get to the upper level where it is rubbed out, then you're sitting at home as a fan having a nice cold beer and watching a game of footy and you're watching some knob 
pushing and shoving someone who would clearly punch the piss out of them because there's nothing they can do about it. Yeah. That's just as frustrating as well. Yeah. You know, guys, if you play rugby league, play it hard, play it fair. If you play football, play it hard, play it fair. If you play AFL, play it hard, play it fair. If you want to fight, there's a forum for it. Yeah. Go and join up. But the problem is a lot of these people don't join up because, you know, it's a chess match. Yeah. And, you know, just as hard as you're going to give it to someone, someone's going to give it back to you. Yeah. And they don't want to face up to it. Yep. Very, very true, mate. So uh, that's, that's the integrity issue for the week. Something, is, something, unfortunately, not the first time we've spoken about this year, something needs to be done. Mm, absolutely. And for those, you know, who are out, Punch it on in the car park afterwards. I mean, you know. No. Yeah. yeah. Words can't describe how much you're winning in life. Exactly. Exactly. All well, good, mate. So. Should we jump into um, all other sports now, mate? Yeah, let's go and have a look at the other sports. Well, mate, there was some good fights on the weekend. Some good dust-ups? You're a busy man. I'm not. I'm going to put the assumption out there that you didn't catch any of the fights on the weekend. No, mate. mate no, mate. I, um, I actually struggled to catch even much of uh, rugby league, which is my bread and butter. It was a busy old weekend. Mate, social butterfly you are. I was, mate. I was, mate. Mate, they had the UFC fight night on, uh, Holloway versus Korean Zombie. That was in Singapore. Mm. And it was a – I mean, the main card wasn't – the greatest, the the main event was a ripper, um, and there were some really really good fights tucked away. You know, I've always said this often with cards that don't look like they're going to blow your socks off. You look down deep in the card, and there's some some crackers, and and this one didn't disappoint, mate. Um, so the first one that really um, really grabbed a hold was uh, Goff versus uh, Kinoshita. They traded heavy. They both went out hard at each other. I thought uh, Kinoshita was um, he was getting the better of the of the exchanges, and then um, you know Goff just hit him with this beautiful body shot, just right on the solar plexus. It was, you know, it almost it hit him hard first, and then sort of almost grazed down. You didn't really see it as effective, but it just dropped him. Yeah, you know, he went straight down, and and you knew it. Um, it landed pretty flush, and the next fight that was a that was a massive, um, yeah, a massive entertainer was Enjikwani versus Ola Chechuk, and uh, it was absolutely fire. This one, Enjikwani came out with a real traditional tie in your face, got in the clinch, elbows, knees, and Ola Chechuk was he's he's very resilient, quite robust, um, sort of bites down on his mouth guard, takes four to get off three, you know, early in the fight, really wants to get in your face and he's happy to, to engage in the brawl. And, um, yeah, there was a stage there just before he got the finish. He got head kicked. He all, his head almost got kicked out of the octagon yeah, and he wow. just wore it and then um, landed a couple of beautiful shots himself, got Enjikwani um, down and, and finished him down on the ground. Um, so that was a ripper. Then another first-round finish. Waldo... Cortez Acosta was literally throwing fastballs. If you were a technical boxing coach watching him throw 
his overhand, she would have gone, what are you doing? Yeah. There was, you know, but it was very effective. It was like a pitcher throwing fastballs when he was throwing it. And, I mean, he landed one. And when, you're, uh, when your opponent's running backwards with the wobbly boot on and then cops one across the side of the head and face plants, that's generally a good finish. Yeah. So, yeah, big one there. And obviously for the, for the Aussie fans, uh, Junior Tafa, uh, brother of Justin Tafa, the, the Brisbane fighting crew up there, he, um, yeah, he got a, a, a lovely bit of work in. He knocked out Parker Porter. Um, you know, he's pretty decorated junior in terms of his kickboxing, so he comes in with a, with a decent pedigree, and they're obviously heavy hitters. Uh, yeah, it was a good win for him. Um, there was a few decisions on the main card. It was it sort of just tapered off entertainment-wise, but, I mean, jumping straight to the main event. Uh, the Korean Zombie, mate, he is an absolute legend. Even so that the UFC, when they put his name on the card or on the broadcast, they don't put Chen Zung Jung. They put Zombie. That's how well-known he is by that name. Um, he's retired. He, he lost via TKO to Max Holloway. Like, Max Holloway's as good as they get. He's the cream of the crop. Um, you know, he's the best not named Alexander Volkanovsky in that, um, in that division. So... You know, Zombie is one of those legends. He, he's never had the strap, but he's always been in and around the discussion points when it comes to the top of the, the division. At the peak of his powers, he went and completed mandatory military service. So yeah. he was taken out for four years yeah, in wow. the peak of his career because yeah. he, he never won a world title. Yeah. So he's come back and you could argue and say, oh, well, was that his time, you know, be taken out? But he's come back. He's a fan favourite. Um, Max looks a level above the competition at Featherweight. He looks really fast. But I was really, you know, if I was being critical of Max, he doesn't look full. You know, when I see him fight now, he looks fast, but he doesn't look as full and as robust as someone like Volkanovsky. Mm. You know, it's it's... You know, I don't want to be harsh and say that he looks brittle, but he doesn't look like his strength and conditioning is is focused on building a robust body. It's more about speed at this point in time. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I don't know with the heavier hitters of the division whether, because, I mean, Zombie caught him a few times and mm. Max usually doesn't get caught, doesn't get rocked. He's got the best chin in the game. And there was a few times where you're like, oh, yeah, he just doesn't look like he's wearing them the same as what he usually would. And yeah. I think that is probably something to be concerned about if you were to take that step up and, say, for example, have another fight with Volkanovski or even go up to lightweight or the like. I, yeah, I was a bit concerned with that. But, you know, he put on a clinic, Max. He was as good as ever. But the finish was, and you'll have to check it out on the replay, the finish was special. It was almost like Zombie was – he got tagged a couple of times um, in the two rounds prior to it, but in the third, he – it was almost like he flicked a switch and just went, you know what, fuck it, let's go. And he just threw down and then he got knocked out. Yeah, wow. It was – yeah, it was something beautiful to watch in terms of just seeing someone just go, you know what, I'm done. I've He retired a minute before he got knocked out. It was almost like, he was almost like, I'm done, this is it, I'm going out on my shield, and he got put away. Yeah, it man. was, yeah, it was, it was theatre, pure theatre, which yeah, was wow. impressive, mate. 
Mate, sounds like you loved it. It was great. Sounds like it was an absolute pearler. Mm. Yeah. Um, did you have anything else on the UFC, mate? No, the UFC, there's obviously the big fight. Uh, Izzy's coming up with, against Sean Strickland, so that's something to look out for. Um, yep. But, yeah, we'll keep our ear to the ground on, on the fights. But um, And there was a bit of boxing. I, I didn't go too much into it. Uzik versus du, Dubois. Um, Dubois landed a body shot. The, the controversial thing, he landed a body shot which was deemed a low blow. Mm. He dropped Usyk with it. Um, and Usyk got five minutes to recover. So there's mm. a lot of conjecture about... Um, you know, whether he should have been counted out due to the body shot, um, you know, whether he would have got up or not, don't know, um, most likely. But Usyk still stopped him in the tw- in the ninth round, sorry. So, yep. yeah, it was an Usyk win uh, by TKO. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a closer fight or, you know, a bit of controversy in it, but that's boxing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, still adds, waiting for that uh, Tyson Fury fight. Adds to the adds to the theater, mate. It does, adds and, to the and John Fury going mad again. Did you see that on the socials? Oh, yeah, I, did. I so, think I, I flicked, oh, think I flicked that through to you. I I just I've had that much Furies in my life in the last week that I don't know whether I'm actually watching the documentary on Netflix or I'm actually watching shorts on YouTube. Or, yeah, loved it, like, didn't yeah. you? Oh, John Fury's classic. Good Beautiful, mate. Beautiful, mate. We're breaking ground here, mate. You've got some AFL that you've added. What have we got? Mate, I, th- I thought I'd better. It's finals time, so, um, uh, but it's not quite finals time. <laughs> so the, the regular season is over, and they're having a week break before the final series start, mm. a la the same way I guess the NFL do in the two-week lead-up to the Super Bowl. Yeah. So um, – I guess the theory behind it is to, from a media point of view, to be able to build tension to sell some, uh, tell some more stories. But from a player welfare point of view and from a team point of view, they want to give all their players the best opportunity to get back out on the park and mm. uh, recover from little, little niggly injuries and things like that. Uh, in the first week of the finals, it'll be uh, the Pies versus the Ds. Uh, the Blues, the Carlton Blues versus the Swannies in Do or Die. The Saints versus a GWS and our good friend Hitto will be watching that one and um, yes. watching the Saints fail again and get kicked out, no doubt, uh, in the f- in elimination final. And the Lions, the Brizzy Lions versus uh, Port Radelaide. So um, we will uh, mention that at certain times throughout the final series. And uh, Yes. Yeah. So uh, who's going to win? No idea. None whatsoever, Ooh. but uh, Collingwood did get the minor premiership. Uh, okay. Do you think having a week off is a good idea? Put your uh, league hat back on, mate. Yeah, league hat back on, and I would go straight to your exemplar of the NFL. If you're going to have a week off, as we've seen in rugby league, the teams who are at the top will have the luxury of resting players in that last round. I'm okay with that. If you're going to have a week off and you're going to build up a match, you're going to build up the grand final. Build it up. Have the week off before. Have an all-stars style week away somewhere. Pick it and, you know, we're going all the way. If it's going to be Sydney, grand finals in Sydney, everybody comes to Sydney, you get all the teams to Sydney. This is your week here before you head off on your holidays. Okay, you do clinics, you run school clinics, you do everything, you build the game. Um, you know, I've, I've spoken briefly on the podcast about 
my sort of, you know, openness to taking a grand final via bids, mm. you know. So, for example, next year if the grand final's in Adelaide, you do the same thing Yeah. the week before. Let's allow fans an extra week to go and book their tickets if they want to go and see the grand final, book accommodation, do all that. Over to Perth. Ooh. Yeah. Darwin. Broom. Broom. Oh. Alice Springs, they could do with a little bit of a pep talk up there. Mate, lovely, lovely. Mm. Yeah, look, um, oh, I don't know, like from a, um, from a, uh, I guess, a fan's point of view, I see your point there and I see the opportunity to grow the game. Uh, from a broadcaster's point of view and, um, oh, sorry, an NRL point of view, trying to sell my game to the broadcasters, um, if I'm a broadcaster, I'm saying, hey, you're chipping us some good games at the end of the year because all your teams are resting their players. So how do we avoid that? The week off might be a But nine. they're doing it anyway. Yeah, well, so if this was the last round of the year with Penrith resting a number of players, the Broncos resting a number of players, if they were all having a week off next week, I don't know that you want it to be three weeks before between drinks for your players. Mm. So, yeah, that would be my argument around that. But... I would then suggest the the bounty that you receive from the city of Adelaide or the state government of South Australia to bring the grand final there, does that offset any grievances Fox Sports and Channel 9 are going to throw at you? Mm. Yeah, um, you, probably fair enough, mate. And I think the big success there is we spoke about AFL for a good two minutes and we moved right on and got back to rugby well, league. That's what we do. That's what we do, mate. Setting a standard. Setting a standard. Uh, mate, the US Open is underway, the fourth and final major of the year in the tennis world. Uh, it's very early days at the moment, only round one going on at the moment, so it really is anyone's tournament. And this has been the least successful tournament for Novak Djokovic in his career. He's only won it three times. I mean, that just tells you how good he is. He's only won it three times. Yeah. So uh, Carlos Alcaraz is the reigning champion, and um, you know all the big guns in general are still in at the moment, I believe, is uh, latest. So... Um, and uh, a few upsets in the women's side of the draw, but I still believe the top seeds are floating about. So uh, we'll have a bit more on that coming up next week, but keep an eye out for the tennis. Yes, and uh, also, too, the Formula One, mate. Formula Fum, Formula One. F1. Tell Max Verstappen got pole. Nine in a row. Won it again. Dutch Grand Prix. Welcome back home. Um Mate, it was a fun race. I, I've i not been overly familiar with the, uh, I believe it's the Zandvoort mm. um, racetrack. However, short racetrack, it's 4Ks, so it's, it's fast. But, you know, the natural taper in the sand dunes of the racetrack, it was, it was really fascinating to watch. I, I'd never really, yeah, sort of to paid much attention really to it at, at all but it was it's a different track yeah. and it absolutely pissed down as yeah. well so there was a few there was a bit of carnage even the first sort of four to five laps where you know teams were having to make you know quick decisions are we going to bring them in for the intermediates are we going to you know are we going to put the heavy wets on it was because it pissed down so it was yeah it was good uh theater early and um 
you know, obviously Red Bull made the right decisions. Maxi was able to hold on to his advantage and he got the job done. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, he, he's having a season, isn't he? And he's had a, an unreal couple of years now. So, um, yeah, he's pretty much untouchable at the moment. So yeah. Look forward to the rule changes because mm. <laughs> they'll, they'll obviously change the rules to try and uh, freshen it up in the off-season. Yeah, of course. Of course they will. Um NFL preseason shaping up nicely now, mate. We're yeah. what are we in a um, preseason week three. week three? One week to go, and then we're kick off about uh, the ninth, I think it is. Mm. So uh, we're looking forward to that. Looking forward to the NFL golf. Victor Hovland, mate. We've talked about Victor on the podcast. I a like bit. Victor. Yeah. I like Victor, and he's been there or thereabouts, but he got it done. Yep. A nine under final round. Oh. Yeah, which was, um, you know, he, he beat uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, the Pocket Rocket, and yep. Scotty Stifler. Yep. Sports attention Major favorite. winners there, mate, both of them. Um, you know, and we, we had been alluding to Hovland's form. Um, he's been performing quite well. He's been there or thereabouts on the leaderboard. But to get it done, well done, Victor. Beautiful, beautiful. Well done, Victor. And uh, I think there's a major in your trophy cabinet coming up uh, sometime in the next couple of years. Uh, rugby, rugby, mate. So uh, World Cup coming up very, very soon, the Rugby World Cup. And um, the, the Wallabies are wobbling, mate. Zero and five in their preparation for the World Cup. Uh but is this just Eddie Jones just playing the way Eddie does and getting things warmed up, pulling strings the way he likes to and knowing full well that it might lead to a few losses, but he's just about to get everything the way he needs to, strike while the iron's hot, make, um, make um, a real impact in this World Cup. Potty, the Greeks, they gave us the gift from the goddess Athena known as the Trojan horse, the Wallabies, they're going to surprise some people. Yep. Mate, I like that analogy. <laughs> that is beautiful. <laughs> that is beautiful. And that is a sport for us this week, mate. That is sport. Yes. Uh, we'll, we'll have to talk multis, unfortunately, now. or Unfortunately for some. Unfortunately for some. Now, full disclosure to our guests. As Grego alluded to earlier, I was um, uh, away catching up with some uni friends over the weekend and I um, was uh, didn't get to my phone all that much and I, uh, I missed your message until um, about a reminder to put on my multi. Mm. And uh, on Monday, I was laying there going, oh, Wow, I forgot to put them on yeah. multi. What a goose. So was this when you were laying in the gutter outside of the pub? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Pulling myself together. <laughs> Pulling myself together, wondering what I'd done with myself. <laughs> and, I, uh, and I've gone, you know what? what? What can I find? What sport can I find? Tennis came through and I thought, mm. oh, just in, in about two minutes without any r- real focus, yep, I'll have these three. Chucked them on. Winner, winner, chicken dinner, mate. That's how it's done, mate. Don't even worry about it. Just straight on and away I went and I got the chockies this week. Mate, I'll tell you how it went for me. Zero from three again. I let my emotions get the better of me Yep. after Penrith got beat and fell behind the standings of the Broncos, so I went all in on the Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> Two uh, anytime try scorers and a Raiders head-to-head, you and were I gonna, got fuck all. You were going to bet on Ricky Stewart losing <laughs> his head, but uh, they, his betting was suspended. Oh, yes. So. But, uh, well, mate, we'll, uh, we'll continue on with that and uh, gamble responsibly. Mm. 
All right, mate. You Big know one. where we're at now. The, the penis of the week. Penis of the week. So um, you go, mate. You want me to go? Go, yeah, mate. All good. Um, look, mate, it's pretty easy for me. Um, I came across this one and I thought, well, uh, I would go as far as to say penis of the century. Oh, Penis on. of the millennium. Um, so, I mean, we have sent our children to daycare. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a really important resource for working families to have. Um, however... It gets a bit concerning when uh, we see reports coming out of a daycare down in the Sutherland Shire with kids apologising for genocide. So they have created uh, a in a craft activity. Um, the students have been <laughs> encouraged to apologise through cards for um, hurting native people and um, for destroying their land. We're talking about three-year-olds and four-year-olds. No, no, no. Now, I'm not someone to shy away from the history of my great country. A long history. Absolutely not. However, throwing trauma and grief onto the shoulders of three and four-year-olds who have fuck all to do with it, if you think that that's okay, your penis. Mate, I agree. Couldn't agree more. I mean, you're just missing the mark then. What you are trying to achieve there, yeah, is... Suiting your own agenda. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I'm just, yeah, I can't, I I agree with you 100% there, mate. I would suggest what they are trying to achieve there, they don't even know, the mm. people who are running these activities. And also, too, just for anybody, I, don't, I know I'm not a history major. Yeah. You got a bit of history in your back pocket, Potty. Can I just make it clear to everybody, especially when it comes down to the controversial issues around Australia Day and the like when there's a lot of protests and emotion that goes on in our country, and I love the fact that we can protest. But, hey, can we all remember? It wasn't Captain Cook. He was a surveyor. Your grief's with Arthur Phillip, guys. Stop blaming Cookie, <laughs> all right? The, the next person who says that Captain Cook was a grub who destroyed our land and colonised Australia, give yourself an uppercut. It was Arthur Phillip, you moron. <laughs> Seriously. Hey, nailed it. Mm. And that just goes on and on my rant of Australian colonial history is I asked a question today. Who was the first Prime Minister of Australia? And I had a classroom just staring at me like I had two heads. <laughs> We've got problems. We have problems, <laughs> mate. We have problems. Look, mate, um, my penis of the week. It's coming up. Read today in the papers, a major cruise liner is offering souvenirs for customers for outrageous prices. Just ghastly. The most expensive items on this list include $280 for a tissue box. Followed by... Do the tissues blow your nose for you? Well, you'd have to hope so. Followed by $190 for a throw blanket and $145 for a toothbrush holder. Now, I believe... Bargain. Bargain. These are items that you can find in your quarters Mm. and you can buy it and take them home with you. So, my penis of the week is not the cruise liner who is charging these... Mm. Ridiculous amounts for these items that you can buy at Kamadi for very, very, excuse me, cheap. 
My penis of the week is anyone who's bought them. <laughs> I agree. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, the the cruise line is just out trying to make a crust. No, they're just <laughs> just trying to get some cheddar together. And if you're an idiot yeah. and decide to buy, spend two hundred and eighty bucks on a tissue box that doesn't blow your nose for you, you are a penis. So couldn't agree more. If you're out there listening to this and you're one of those people, mm. turn it up. Yes. All right, Gregor. Now, if you do decide to buy a $280 tissue box and you're also somebody who makes preschool kids apologise for, you know, things that they have absolutely nothing to do with, wipe your chin with that $280 tissue box and the tissues that are in it because you're dribbling. You are dribbling. You are dribbling. Oh, mate. We're done. We've done it again. Another big week. And Take it away. And it. Uh... Listeners, thank you. We love you. Get around us on the socials. Mm, Let yes, us know you what know, you think. That's where you can communicate with us. If there is a topic that you feel needs to be brought up, whether it be an, of an integral nature, mm. whether it be a stream that just needs to be reported on, mm. let us know. Let us know. Now... If you are living in the wonderful sunshine area of Noosa, home of the pirates, we say goodnight. And farewell.